Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, and skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This isn't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No sales from the front ever and no smell of stale coffee. Ben Gay and or disappointment. You know what I'm talking about. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done and I pick their brain for your amusement and hopefully education. And if you enjoy this podcast, please give it a like, share it across the internet, rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever app you're listening to this on. It really does help and I really do appreciate it. Okay, it's a free podcast and uh, I like that. And if you have any comments or suggestions, Go ahead and reach out to me at renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And if you prefer to ever get around to editing these videos, hello, YouTube. You can go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. Legal disclaimer. Hey, it's the world we live in, folks. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't fucking sue me. Okay. Show quote of the week. Every week, I try and pick a quote that hopefully matches. I wonder if Frank can guess this that uh, sets the tone for the podcast and matches whoever the guest is and hopefully maybe sets the tone for your week. And I hope I don't butcher the name. Here we go. Show quote of the week. If I am not for myself, who is for me? And being for my own self, what am I? And if not now, when? And that's Hillel the Elder. Did I say that right? Hillel? Perfect. Perfect. If I am not for myself, who is for me? And being for my own self, what am I? And if not now, when? Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to my guest. And hopefully I don't... His last name's long, but it's apparently not that scary. Frank Lanscron Tim... God, I screwed it up right there. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's part of the comedy. It is. Tomorazzo. Tomorazzo. Man, I should have practiced that more. Sorry, Frank. <laughs> Frank grew up in New York City to a Jewish mother and an Italian Catholic father. He has been a cantor for over 20 years in synagogues in New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and Michigan. Frank and his family started Hazano Coffee Roasters Cafe in October 2009. Since then, he has also built a 220-plus wholesaling accounts, including Whole Foods, Plum Market, and Randazzo's. So won awards, Best Coffee Shop in Detroit 2010 through 2015. Best Tea Shop in Detroit, which is pretty amazing considering you're a coffee shop. You're like, no, Tea too. Yeah, 2013 and 2014. Featured on the Virgin Atlantic blog where they wrote one of the top 10 places to visit in between meetings in Detroit. And because Frank's not lazy and apparently he hates any sort of downtime, he wrote two books. And I got them right here for YouTube. You're looking at them, right? Read both these books. Excellent books. God Cries. And an angel loses its wings, and that's about creating community in your business. And my favorite book, especially if you whine about service like I do, you don't want dessert, do you? 
which is a really shitty question, but an excellent way to start a book like this, which is creating excellent customer service in your business. And you be, you laugh, right? How many times I hear that? Um, he also started in 2015, a consulting company to help startup cafes and restaurants called God and coffee consulting. And cause he has no hobbies. He's got two more books. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a long one folks, but he does, he does a lot of stuff. He's got two more books coming down the line. What do you want to be when you grow up, which is how to balance your goals and dreams with the dreams and goals of your family, your spouse, and your children, and how do you kill yourself off, parentheses, from your business? Don't go all the way, okay? How to make yourself useless and allow the business to run on its own. He has also partnered with different local businesses to create cross-promotional products. This guy just sells everything. We got Dave's Sweet Tooth Coffee. Toffee has Hazano Coffee. Hope I got that right. Aromaholics makes Hazano coffee soap and lip balm and drought. Did I say that right? Drought yes. juice serves Hazano coffee cold brew. Also, some of my favorite slogans, good coffee makes you sing, brew coffee, not trouble, and carefully chosen coffee for carefully chosen people. Frank and his wife, Lisa, has been married for over 20 years, and they have three children, Max, Doris, and Nicoletta. And on a side note, this man drinks 20 cups of coffee a day. At least. At least. And uh, you should definitely check him out on Instagram. Hazano Coffee. That's C-H-A-Z-Z-A-N-O. Hazano Coffee. You can look him up on Facebook. Hazano Coffee Roasters. Hit him up on Twitter at Hazano Coffee. Conveniently located at 1737 East Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. And uh, you can go to HazanoCoffee.com or shop.hazanocoffee.com. Whoo, that's a long one, folks. Thank you, Frank. Absolutely. Thanks you for just, coming out. You need to say my name a couple of times. Uh. Frank. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do from now on. All three kids have the same last name. Oh, yeah. So they're going to be good spellers. They're, and, and they're in therapy constantly. Yeah. They're like, oh, man, really? 20. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming out, Frank. I really appreciate it. And, uh, it's great to see you. Yeah, this we're we're on a podcast, and if you're not watching this on YouTube, of course we have an array of coffee set out, some pour yes. overs, some French presses, some espresso. It's truly not enough. Um, <sighs> I could, but I I felt embarrassed to uh, ask for three or four French presses of different coffee. Well, let me know. We can pause <laughs> this and we can reload because I don't okay. want you to run out. I know. Okay. I know it's important. It's probably how you did all that, right? All that coffee power. So, Frank. How old are you, by the way? 46. Man, you've done a lot in a short amount of time. At what point were you like kid Frank, six years old, playing baseball or whatever in New York City? And you're like, I'm going to sing, then I'm going to start a coffee business, and then I'm going to start a wholesale business in my retail coffee business, write some books, open a consulting company. By the way, I'm going to continue singing and have a wife. And I mean... You've done a lot. How, how did this happen, and, and what did it? What was life like growing up, also in uh, New York City as a kid? Truly, when I was I was younger, uh, I wanted the first thing I wanted to do was cure cancer uh, because uh, um, my no, no. Uh, there, there were too many people in my family that um, dying of cancer, and um, I wanted to be a scientist. That uh, all I would do is cure cancer, and that would be it. That would be what I would get done in life. And um, uh, even my turtle, Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana, had cancer. Uh, so uh, uh, it's both funny and also uh, sad. Um, but after that, 
uh, I was always singing in musicals when I was a kid, and um, I would always get the lead. It, was, it wasn't uh, something that I even thought about until later on in life. I always got the lead in plays. And then when I was 15 at Staten Island Technical High School, um, when I thought I was going to be a uh, systems analyst and uh, do, uh, do programming, uh, really during the uh, infancy of uh, the computer age, um, I got a lead in Kiss Me, Kate, and um, just in the auditions, uh, uh, I sang out like a like an opera singer for the first time, and everyone was shocked. And I got, un- fortunately and unfortunately, got a standing ovation after we finished the uh, um, the run of the play, the musical. And because of that, I started taking voice lessons and um, said, "I want to be a famous opera singer." And then after that, uh, um, went to I applied to two schools, Polytech University and. In, in Brooklyn, and then um, then I went and Manhattan School of Music. Only two schools, um, got into other ones, um, could have got a full scholarship at Polytech, but decided I want to be an opera singer. Um, follow your heart. Follow my heart, but it's also, voice. there was a, a passion for that, and I, I loved uh, computers, I still do, loved programming, I studied uh, every language they had at the time, um, Fortran and um, um, I was doing machine language and assembly language and all that stuff but it wasn't my passion as much as singing and what really um, and and then I met my wife um, in Manhattan School Music uh, it's it's really important to um, take advantage and I write this in my book but take advantage of every opportunity when you meet people and strangers so I'm an only child growing up in New York City and an only grandson on the Italian side. Um, there you got was, all the love then. All, all the love. I was truly a <laughs> That's prince. That's a lot of love. I was a prince among men. It just, uh, <laughs> it really, a uh, lower middle class family and um, in terms of economics, but I got everything I ever wanted. Uh, and there was uh, such a, there was love oozing all over the place. Um, always knew that uh, I was... I was loved, put on a pedestal, uh, everything for Frankie kind of thing. Um, and so um, I, don't, I don't know where that went. I just got so much uh, no, so that's deep okay. into my No, no that's good. The, I was asking about, yeah, love. As, as it, you've done a lot. So you had a lot of passion, basically. I was asking you about your childhood and if you knew you were going to be this kind of person. And it sounds like you're kind of motivated from a pretty pretty young age to whatever you're passionate to, to accomplish things and, and move forward. It's true, but it, a lot of it has to do with um, being gregarious, having great interpersonal skills. Um, I like hanging around with people. And there's some people who don't like hanging around other people, and that's fine. But um, um, I met my wife because I went down to the cafeteria in Manhattan School of Music, first time ever walking to the building, probably second time, um, and uh, went straight down to the cafeteria, walked around everywhere and said, shook everyone's hand and said, my name is Frank Tamarazzo from Staten Island. Um, what's your name? 
Tamarazzo. Um, I'm going to burn into Tamarazzo. burning into my brain, so, Frank. So the name, as you uh, uh, you keep butchering it. I know. Uh, You're which welcome. is great. Part of, I, I love that. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Um, American. Would you believe I lived in Italy for three years? And oh, that's still great. Just, oh, that's great. Yeah. That's even better. I used to speak really bad Italian with a really heavy American accent, but nice. now I've forgotten it all. I want to hear that sometime. Oh, yeah. Just um, so I could butcher it for you. <laughs> but my wife and I were both classical singers, and because of that, when we got married, uh, she wanted to keep her maiden name because a lot of musicians, conductors, pianists knew her by Landskron, and I wanted to keep my maiden name of Tamarazzo. I have a Jewish mother and Italian Catholic father. I had, and um, that's why I love America and that's where, right there. Uh, it's a uh, my stomach is Italian, um, and um, I always knew that I was Jewish. Um, but getting back to the name. Uh, we wanted to make sure that our kids had the same last name and it wasn't mixed up. So we hyphenated to Lance Cron Tamarazzo. Very liberal. I was wondering how Jean and I were going to do that when we start having kids because she kept her name and uh-huh. I kept my name and we haven't done anything. Something <laughs> I always thought was odd that just because you got married, you had to change your name. But yeah, what do you do when you have children? So you just combine them together, put a hyphen. Absolutely. Make so, them smarter too. Absolutely. My, uh, my baby is... Um, Ten-year-old uh, uh, is Nicoletta Angelina Lanscron Tamarazzo. So a long name, yeah. <laughs> so we we're hoping she doesn't marry a Spanish Jew with uh, three other uh, surnames. <laughs> um, <laughs> Her kids will be even smarter. I remember how upset I was. Like Tom, you got Tom, and I'm Jeremy. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how did that happen? Mom, pick a shorter name. So you met your wife. You're in New York City, and you both decided to pursue your passion passion at that time it was opera singing yeah and so um i went to uh, to aspen music festival to for two summers and uh, in, during that time i also spent the summer doing an internship a free internship um as uh, for cordova uh, legal aid society in new york city want to see i i like talking i'm a new yorker uh, i like arguing with people i love being devil's advocate i love that too yeah, sure it's, it's a lot of fun to uh, mess around with people, um, especially if they have a good sense of humor. Sometimes if they don't have a good sense of humor, but um, did that for a whole summer and decided, no, that's not for me. That's really not my passion. Um, and so when I went to Manhattan School of Music, met Lisa, came from a very strong Jewish background, um, conservative um, observant and passionate. Her whole family's passionate about singing, about Jewish music, about God. And so that really rubbed off on me. Um, and it, it was already, that seed was already planted, uh, with my, with my mother. But, um, through that, I started loving going to synagogue, loving Jewish music. I, I didn't know, at that point, I knew French, German, Italian, um, could speak wow. them all, and also studied Russian in high school for three years. I was fluent in that. Um, started studying ancient Greek and medieval French, but I did not know Hebrew at all. Didn't know a letter of Hebrew. I've always good in languages, and the problem is um, um, you need Hebrew uh, to go to uh, go to synagogue. I felt like such an idiot when I. Um, I know I, you only speak four languages instead of five, Frank. <laughs> you moron. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Being a little hard on yourself. No, I think. Well, I mean, only child, so uh, yeah. Uh, I expected uh, uh, so. 
it, it really it bothered me the first time I went over for Passover for Passover Seder, uh, and they're all singing beautifully at uh, Lisa's house uh, and in Massachusetts, and I knew nothing. And they're having these great conversations, and I knew nothing, and that bothered me. So um, there is uh, in Judaism um, there is a um, it's one of the first things that you learn, and one of the most important aspects about being a Jew is that you're supposed to find people that are smarter than you. Um, constantly search for that teacher that's above you, that knows more than you. Um, and so her family at that time was that teacher um, in terms of Judaism. Um, and I'm in, through business, through life, I'm constantly looking for people who know at least something about something uh, more than I do because there's no, only one way to learn. Uh, you you never want to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah, you don't want to be the big fish in the small pond, right? You no. Want, you want to be a, a fish in a bigger pond so you can get bigger, right? Yeah. Same with the sharks. It's all, all, really only a way to grow, um, to learn. But so at a, I started studying Hebrew, and I, I learned it in a couple of months and learned how to lead the service, um, things like that. And that grew that passion for um, – I always had the scholarship passion – uh, went to St. John's College, study advanced ph- Eleven years of school before you even I know, started, right? I know. That's My cool. wife said to me that if you ever want to have kids, um, you better get a job because <laughs> I would have gone to college forever. Yeah. I would have, um, um, I would have received um, and worked towards PhDs all my life. And uh, um, so after the master's, that was it. I think you might, if I'm not mistaken, I think the word is polygot, maybe. I think you're a, maybe. Yeah, I think you might be a polygot. I didn't know about, about um, to be frank. That's why I like doing this. I yeah. learn something new every time. Well, I, I love studying. Yeah. So I read every business book around. Um, if there's something that I'm passionate about, I study everything possible. Yeah, I saw you were trying to read, like, try, weren't you trying to read like a business book a day or every couple of days yes are you still keeping up with that or how's I'm, it going? I'm doing a business book every two days now that's pretty good um, that's, that's better just than the uh, one i've got done this month yeah <laughs> every two days but, but one is better than nothing that's true and uh, and there's so many books right now my passion is about business um it's always about singing but um it's it's important to push yourself it's for, for everything in life, but uh, push yourself uh, physically, mentally, um, in order to grow. And so every book that I read, and some of them are really painful um, to read, um, they teach me something. Something, and even if they don't teach me something that's necessary right now, um, it'll be necessary in the future. Uh, I'll pull it out of a hat someday, and it'll be beneficial to my life. Yeah, if you're not if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, right? Yes. Yeah, kind of. If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. Backward. Yeah. <laughs> all those uh I've heard all of those. Yeah, uh, it's it's <laughs> certainly black and white, but I found in business it is kind of true most of the time. Yeah. You're either pushing, you're either growing or you're dying, right? It's kind of yes. it's kind of one of those things. There's no staying right where you're at. There's a um um there's a a formula that BNI uh, Business Network International, um, this networking group, uh, they have chapters all around the world, uh, te- teaches us, and one it's called VCP squared, and the V stands for visibility. You need to be visible in in business relationships or um, 
or personal relationships, you need to be credible. If you say you're going to do something, you're going to show up on time, that you do that. Yeah, that's really important. That's a huge uh, in any business. But the other part is is profitability squared, uh, part of the formula, that it has to be profitable for both sides. And wait, wait, wait. I thought profit was evil and the <laughs> devil. And if we make profit, we hate poor people. Right? If, if this interview is going that way, then... Uh, <laughs> only mocking them. That's uh, yeah. definitely not me. Yeah, uh, to, only uh, to mock Yeah, them. yeah, absolutely. I, I, I truly, uh, without getting too crazy political, I, I would love to be um, a part of the 1%. Because if I was part of the 1%... Why not? yeah. Um, it's really it's it should be the goal for every person in the world to be there, um, and it's not about the money, but it's what you can do with that money. Well, I figured um, out we sound crazy to people who don't have much ambition. I'm not saying this in a bad way. Yeah, I don't think it's bad not to be incredibly ambitious, or people who are easily satisfied. I have found that does sound crazy, but I'm with you, Frank. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. There's some. There's some kind of. I, I like. I like all people except uh, evil, uh, nasty people. Yes. Um, um, even people that are not bright. Um, it's not their fault, but it's the hunger. Uh, I like people who are hungry, hungry for knowledge. That's a good way to put it. I like that. Hungry. Yes. I mean, just uh, in terms of business, um, you can open up, a lot of people open up coffee shops and say, you know, it'd be really cool. It'd be cool to open up a coffee shop. It's my dream to open up a coffee shop. But what's really the end goal? Uh, Not just the money, but how are you going to help the community? Yeah, if you're going to open a coffee shop just for money, you might be disappointed for a while, right? Uh, for a very, very long <laughs> yeah. time. Uh, for, for, uh, for, for, for a lifetime. <laughs> and, uh, and you can never truly um, make enough money to be part of the 1%. But if you open up a coffee shop because you want to help other business owners in the area grow their businesses and grow their lives, if you want to help uh, new people coming to town, um, then you have something that's profitable uh, and, and not about money. Yeah. And the, the big thing is, um, is that being part of the 1% is really uh, uh, is a huge goal of mine because um, I, I want to be able to he- uh, help all the dumb things that happen in this world. Um, like people, there should be no one in America hungry. No one should ever go to bed hungry. Uh, there's so much food. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the worst things that we've allowed in this country. Yeah, I don't know quite how we got there either because we do we, – no. with the food we just throw away, we get, it, there shouldn't be anybody hungry, right? No, just, not just at all. Just we throw in the garbage can. Yes. That's it. Not even, it's not even stuff – it's not even coming out of our pocket. We were already going to throw it away, and it's just gone. We just, okay, garbage can. There we go. Absolutely. Bury it. Seagulls can have it. They can pick through it as we roll over it, you know, but – that is an interesting thing, and I agree with that, too, because the reality is without resources, there's not much you can do to help people. No. And you have to provide value and access to get those resources you need. And I th- I'm, I, you, you kind of hinted at it, and you got to provide more value than just the commodity you're serving, too, which I suspect is, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, why you're so passionate about 
networking and trying to help other small businesses and you have a table in your business with lots of business cards. And Absolutely. every time I talk to you, you're talking about some other business that you met and some other person you met. It's like that additional extra value on top of that sets you apart for everyone else. And it's part of the, the goal of um, when you're a business owner at the, um, your responsibility, your obligation as a business owner, um, when you make it, there's all, they're all, again, with analogies, and, uh, and I'm the king of bad analogies, but um, I read tons of stuff on Instagram where um, if when you get to the top, um, to the top floor, make sure you send the elevator back down. Um, I like that. Yeah, I, I don't know who came up Helps with that. Some people when you're on it's probably way Aristotle or Plato. Uh, but, I'm sure uh, <laughs> it goes back a ways. Um, We're still learning it as humans, too, I think, right? No surprise yeah. there. That there's really nothing new under the sun. But uh, the important thing about um, starting your business, any kind of business, is how is it going to help people? And so uh, that hunger should also be part of how is this product. Um, going to, um, we talk about customer pain, how a product or service will um, will solve the customer pain. We really need to um, think about that and, and how is it going to enrich their lives. So with all, uh, we're going ahead, but with the coffee, for example, um, whenever we choose to have the amount of coffee that we do and certain coffees, single, single origin coffees, I'm thinking about how is it going to enrich people's lives? How is it going to, will it make them smile? Will it uh, help their restaurant um, grow profit, make their clients happy? And so there is an end game for everything that you do in business. Um, is it going to help a certain business owner, a, a certain person? Is it just going to make people happier than their um, um, than their regular lives? Uh, is it going to bring a smile to someone who um, who just has had a, a very uh, a sad occurrence happen in their lives? So uh, there, there are many different levels. What I love about being a business owner is that you're constantly learning. Um, whether or not you pick up a book, um, you're learning from your customers, um, you're learning from um, people you, um, you meet at the uh, local specialty market. So it's yeah, a beautiful I life. Say, I can say that um, you have ruined coffee for me, Frank. Good. That, that is, that's one goal. That swill I drank before you, <laughs> which, by the way, I warn you right now, you should definitely go and get some Hazano coffee and... You don't even have to. You should go to his shop and check it out. But he does have. I mean, he's in 220 plus stores um, in Metro Detroit, including some big ones uh, like uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Whole Foods. Whole Foods is a big one, and all the, all the local Whole Plum Foods market. Or you can go to his shop. But I'm warning you now: if you do it, just be prepared. If you have discerning tastes, you can't untaste it. All right. And my favorite and. Frank calls it God's coffee, and, and he might be right. It's Ethiopian Harar, and you have you have a couple of sips of that. That just blew me, just blew me away. It, it's excellent coffee. I want I want to try and go back in time though. I like the conversational. So you went to school to be a professional singer, where they call it a cantor. Yes. Okay. Now forgive me. I grew up international schools all over the world. I don't know why, but I had Jewish friends. I just never really paid attention. So, and I'm assuming maybe our listeners don't. What is a cantor and what do they do? 
So cantor comes from the Latin to declaim in a loud voice. And it's really from the, uh, the name cantor was taken from the Catholic Church. Um, and they took it from, from Judaism. But um, it's, a, it's someone who sings in a beautiful voice. Uh, the Hebrew is chazan. And that hence Chazano. Yes, we'll talk about the name in a moment. I was getting to it, building um, to it, but um, you, you led me into it. But um, Chazan is a cantor, but it really means leader. So cantor is like a rabbi uh, who sings beautifully, teaches uh, children, adults about Jewish music, um, does lots of pastoral care. Um, both um, going to hospitals and assisted living um, to take care and, and just um, um, be a comfort to um, to the congregation, um, and also doing life cycle events, um, doing uh, weddings and um, and funerals and and all of that. So it's someone who has a passion for Jewish music and also for scholarship. Yeah, so it's. it's- a big part of Jewish life, right? Yes. The singing, the, the synagogue, the whole thing. It's a it's whole really, community, It's right? really all of it. And it's just um, um, not to get too biblical, but we're just reading in, in the, the original synagogue. biblical. Right? Yes, absolutely. Original. That's why I like the Well, Jews. I don't know, but it depends on how you look at that. Hey, um, hey you're the first <laughs> ones to write it down. That's all. You yeah. know, I don't know before that, right? We don't have any evidence of that, but you were the first one. That's what I say. Biblical? Well, yeah, you know. Yeah, they took it from you. As you said, the Catholic Church they they took it from the Jews. There's a there's a story uh, when where when the Hebrews are escaping from um, are escaping from the Egyptians and the Egyptians are drowning in the sea um, and the Hebrews are have been saved by God and um, on dry land. Um, and the sea split and all of that. Uh, but the most important thing about that, it's not about whether the story happened or um, the, the most important part is that the first thing that Moses does is sing. Oh, I didn't um, think about that. Uh, Moses sings and the people of, uh, and the children of Israel sing. And so it's a huge part of um Jewish lives, but any kind of worship community. If a worship community doesn't sing, it's kind of a dead community uh, because there's so much um, in singing that has to do with joy. And if you are worshiping God, it has to be with joy. It has to be with happiness. And so uh, that's why singing is a huge part of that. And it's, it's impossible to have any kind of happy community um, where people aren't singing. Yeah, Catholics, most Catholics and Protestants don't do much singing, except for like that whole evangelical, there's plenty of singing in that. It does but there used to be a lot of singing with a four-part harmony when people were... Um, Just before the radio? Um, when, when there Might wasn't, um, they, they weren't listening to radio, yeah. uh, they they often would have parlor concerts in yeah, their they, home. No rock concerts, right? This is it? Yeah, I mean, rock concerts are great, but the thing is that... Um, um, Music was part of everyone's home, and um, and someone knew how to play the cello. Someone knew how to play violin, things like that. So, um, well, how did you go from Cantor? Obviously, you married your wife Lisa. You're in New York City. I'm assuming there's some sort of economic benefit to being a Cantor for a synagogue. I don't know if you got to work your way up or whatever, but there is. I mean, um, it's it's a well paying job. It's a really well paying job, and um, um. You can ask about um, 
it, so I went to five years of, of school and wow. five years, um, just five years. That's five amazing. years. It's singing, the scholarship, studying Hebrew, uh, advanced Hebrew, being fluent in that, um, and studying every aspect um, of people call Jews. Uh, they have uh, um, Muhammad called the Jews the people of the book. And we've always been the people of the book. We've always been a uh, people of of the Torah. And uh, with the cool thing. About uh, about Judaism is that we have the five books of Moses, and then we have all these other books, and then there is commentary on those books, and then commentary on on the books uh, previously, and commentary until today, and the commentary is still happening. So there are different questions that are constantly arising. So you have to be a permanent student. Uh, there's no way of going to school. Uh, five years is not enough. No, you, you spend no your end, whole right? life. You spend your whole life, and it, it's really with with any kind of religion. But you can spend your whole life every day studying something brand new that you've never known before. I'm gonna stir up a little controversy. You okay. know, my favorite thing about the Jews is okay that uh, they disregarded Jesus first. <laughs> oh, that's up. I'm not even touching. No, don't that. even touch it, Frank. God. I did it. I did it. Deserve. You could send all the hate mail to Jeremy at RenegadeDetroit.com. <laughs> yeah, to, don't send it to KazanoCoffee.com. He had nothing to do I with it. I did not say that. No. I did not uh, I did that. agree with that. So it was a five-year <laughs> in-depth study just into music in general, the whole thing. And you come out on the other end, obviously. Yes, and you got a job as a cantor. So I got a job in uh, New Jersey as a cantor. Um, and for six years, I was there in Cranford, New Jersey. And um, awesome place. I was education director. I was of the, of the Hebrew school. I was the supervisor to the nursery school director. I, I did everything except clean the bathrooms, um, which was a wonderful thing. Great, great um, experience. I did everything. I gave sermons, read uh, from the Torah in Hebrew and chanting, uh, adult education classes, um, and it was it was like going um, to school. Yeah, you went all in, right? Yes, helped but, everywhere you could. But it's really uh, I I like choosing things in life that are challenges that um, that I can actually learn um, and search. Even if uh, if I feel like I'm getting to the point where I'm the king of the hill, um, who's out there? Who's not? Who's up? Who's higher than I am? Um, and so, uh, always the next ladder or rung on the ladder to reach for, right? Absolutely. There's always there's always one more, no matter and, what. Absolutely. And you should again another uh, bad analogy is that you should always uh, keep going up the ladder. And if you go down a rung, that um, you should stay there, but. Go but continue, up. but go back up. Yeah. You slide, um, fall. I've done that yes. a couple times. And a Jewish observance, that's also uh, talked about a lot, that, um, that everyone's at different levels of observance. There are 613 commandments um, that observant Jews, um, re- really about 200-something Jew, uh, commandments that we can really do today. Um, but um, all those commandments, all those laws, you can't do all of them. can't do them all at the same time. Um, it's impossible. So do as much as you possibly can and stay there. Stay there for a while, feel comfortable, and then see how can you add something else on there. Um, and it's really it's a, an analogy for any part of your life that you should um, 
um, keep trying to go up. Yeah. Keep trying to improve yourself. Um, the the third book that I'm um, I'm going to write. If it, I don't know which one's going to come first, but um, is what do you want to do when you grow up? Because I've done all these different things. Cantor, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hope no. to have an answer for you soon. But, but but that's really that's really the answer. Yep. You're constantly, and when we turn to be 50, 60, um, 70, hopefully in good health um, after that too, what else do you want to do? Hopefully something uh, challenging, right? Yes. There has to be something um, that's going to get you up in the morning and bring a smile to your face. Personally, I don't want life to come to me. I want to go to life. Absolutely. Which is one of the things I love about farming because it never ends. Yes. I love things that don't end. You know? And there are challenges. Uh, farming's another great uh, Oh, yeah. Not analogy. a lot of work for you. Bugs, <laughs> weather, everything hates you sometimes. You know? Yes. And, and then it works the other way, too. And, it's, uh, and it also helps you with problem solving because there are always problems. Um, just like you have a business, you have a family, um, have friendships. There are always problems within all of those. And so how do you solve those problems um, is really... Um, is really the huge part of life. So at some point, you're, you're a cantor. Your wife's a professional, a classically trained singer as yes. well? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's big-time stuff. At what point do you go, huh, I like this cantor thing, but, man, I like coffee too. And not only do I like it, I want to roast it. And then not only do I want to roast it, I want to – I mean, what did that evolution look like? Why did you do it? How did you do it? How did you bring your family along as best you can? Because I'm so, very interested in that because obviously you, you're a very high-level cantor, and it is a good, safe, paying job, right? You're well-respected very much in the community. So. Yes. To risk it all, because I've read your book, right? So I don't want to uh-huh. get too far ahead. You risked it all to start a brick-and-mortar coffee business. Which is uh, absolute. It's, it's one of the definitions of insanity. <laughs> <laughs> to... Uh, I don't know if I could start a brick and mortar. I'm glad people do because I have places to go, but that's pretty rough and tumble even for it's me. A, it, it definitely is. So I loved being a full-time cantor, um, and, but the politics of synagogue life um, got to me. Came here to, uh, to Michigan, got an awesome job as a cantor in a local synagogue, and it didn't work out. Um, Bummer. But a big bummer and the thing is that there are many times in our lives when you uh when you have a certain identity over a long period of time and uh, you do something well but it just doesn't work out um and you really can't put your finger on one thing um it doesn't work out and so what am i going to do now um kind of thing i could have uh i could have found another cantorial job um but i said you know life is short Time to do something that's going to really bring joy to my life, and that it's not that that didn't bring joy, but there was a lot of um, um, there were other people that had the potential of making my life unhappy, and so when you start your own business, although it's insane, and you uh, take all of your money out of your pockets and you just throw it on the table and gamble with it, but your success and failure are totally in your hands. Um, but I didn't go into this blindly, and I, um, uh, I started God and Coffee Consulting, and this is uh, fast-forwarding, uh, but I'll get to your question, um, um, partly because I 
I came to I, I started God and Coffee Consulting to help startups because I want them to ask those questions that I asked that I already knew the answers to when I started Hazano Coffee. Um, a lot of bad advice out there too for for businesses. I can only imagine how bad it is for brick and mortar too. So, but you need to know everything. You need to ask every question that you've ever had uh, in order to start that. Because once you uh, turn the lights on and you and you have all your permits, um, if you don't have those answers, uh, you're going to be in trouble very quickly. That is great advice. Do you, so you did all that before. You just asked yourself. I did that all that before. So. While I was a cantor and doing well um, and, and very successful, I had this little side obsession. I started roasting coffee out of my garage about 16 years ago, and um, and it was I started uh, getting a couple of pounds, a, th- a thousand pounds. I started uh, roasting every single night after I came home from, from synagogue, and about five years into that, I started writing a... Um, a business plan, and every time I would have some time off, some uh, a day off or a couple of hours to sit in a coffee shop around um, New Jersey or Chicago um, or Farmington Hills, I would uh, write into this book, this business, and uh, my wife and I would uh, would work on it. What kind of if I had, and this was part of the joke, if I had a nervous breakdown, um, what would be the next step? What would I do next? Excellent question. If I had a nervous breakdown, what would I do next? And it's um, it's it's kind of a a private, um, not so much anymore, but a, a private joke amongst us. Uh, um, you know, truly, every stage in our lives. If I had a nervous breakdown and I couldn't do what I was doing now, what what's really uh, what would be my dream? And so, um, and so at that time, it was having a coffee roastery. I, I could never find a better cup of coffee. So I found sometimes good cups of coffee, but I never found one that, that was truly extraordinary, complex, awesome, well-balanced, things like that. And, so, and the biggest part about starting a coffee roastery is that um, my wife and I have spent, uh, my wife Lisa and I have spent so much money on restaurants, and we go to every new restaurant where we're living in New York City. We spend way too much money uh, on restaurants almost every night, especially before kids, and we loved going out to eat, and it was always painful to us because we loved coffee that we would have an awesome meal, spend $150 between the two of us, 150 more money. Um, um, dollars more than we had in the bank um, and have a great romantic meal with great customer service and the coffee stank. The yeah. coffee was terrible. Still and like it, that in it, a lot it, of places. It, 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 it's still like that. And it, that's the that's one thing that drove me to start Hazano Coffee Roasters because um, I can make a difference. I can help that out. And it, it, it's not a um, it's not going to cure cancer like I wanted to do uh, when I was a kid. Um, You'll be happier drinking the coffee with cancer, though, right? I would be. <laughs> How's that for a selling point? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. that's not going to be I part need to of work my slogans. That. Yeah. <laughs> that maybe needs some work. I, uh, my, uh, my daughter, Doris, uh, who's 12 years old now, uh, came up. I was, we're sitting in a restaurant in Chelsea, uh, Michigan, and um, I was, I'm always inappropriate at the dinner table with my um, 
with my family and uh, but can't be inappropriate anywhere else really uh, except at home <laughs> clergy and business owner and she said to me she turned to me and she said daddy brew coffee not trouble and, excellent um, advice yes and so i i uh I took that slogan, trademarked it right there at the table. I went to my <laughs> cell phone and did that uh, immediately. Good job, Progeny. You did a good job. That yeah, absolutely. work. Yeah, yeah. You can have 10%. I'm not going to take your slogan. Um, but yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> get me in trouble. But, but the biggest thing about the coffee is the reason why we started it because I wanted to make sure that I went to the best restaurants and they had the best coffee. And that if, it, if you put the word cafe in your title of your business, that it should have the best coffee around. Um, and so I started Hazano Coffee Roasters in 2009 because I really wanted to, um, there was a huge dream and I had been writing about it. I had been going through every metrics uh, I could possibly uh, go through. How much, uh, how many people can I expect to come in? How much money? Uh, the big question I asked my clients um, for cotton coffee and consulting is how much money do you need to make? That's the first question. When you have your own business, how much to just survive where you'd be happy that you had enough money to do certain things in your life to pay certain bills? How much money do you need to make? And how much money would make... uh, would help you wake up in the morning that I'm successful because I've made this amount of money? And it's truly... uh, and so I, I did all of that questioning before I started the business. Like 10 plus years, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, so, that's thorough. While you're practicing and becoming an expert in roasting coffee too, yes. right? And so I and also read every possible book that I can get my hands on about growing a business and things like that. It was all really for a dream. I didn't know that it was ever going to happen because I was making a, a nice salary and I'm helping inspire people in their conversation with God. Um, and so... Um, but I can't get rid of that. I truly was um, in an uh, um, unhappy place at that time in terms of um, the cantorial life, that I was being well paid, but it, was, it wasn't rewarding because of all the politics. of uh, And every house of worship has that. Well, I think every organization has that, right? Yeah. It seems like. Would, I know it's a little cliche, but would you call it it was an itch you had to scratch? There's just that coffee business thing. And no matter what was going to happen at some point, you were going to maybe take a go at it? Or was it kind of like that? Or It was. It was. But it's so insane to think about doing that. It is. Um, it's really uh, – and the thing is I'm, I'm – I'm fearless. Um, I don't know where I got that from. I think it's something natural. But I really, I'm fearless. I can walk up to anyone and talk to them, um, no matter where they are, who they are. Um, I feel confident doing that. It's um, So it wasn't so crazy for me, but we put in uh, half a million dollars into, uh, into Fasano. Uh, wow. And there are many other ways of, of of using money to grow your life but probably with better returns too with with much better returns but but not it depends on if we're talking just money yes um definitely there's so many there's so many uh way smarter ways of investing money than uh starting a coffee roastery um with all this every you know everybody the cafes every uh every block things like that but it was truly 
uh, from the very beginning, it was a way to meld my love for Judaism, my love for community, um, and my love for business and for coffee roasting um, all together. Uh, it was a, also a way to love my, uh, meld my uh, love for scholarship of constantly learning. And so from the very beginning, it's been a, a, a networking hub. And when I first started at Hazano, um, we had very few wholesale accounts. We had, I believe, the Lunch Cafe was one of our first uh, in Berkeley. We had three accounts. That's it. And, um, and no one knew about us. And so I started going to different networking groups. Uh, one, B&I in Greater Royal Oak, uh, Pleasant Ridge Community Center. We meet every Tuesday morning at eight, uh, 7 a.m. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, I, I have no memory of that uh, because I uh, wake up really early to uh, brew coffee for them. Um, and so I knew no one. And when I was clergy, when you talk to people, you don't say how much uh, part of my problem. But I, I didn't care what people did for a living, truly. Well, yeah, um, in that aspect, it doesn't really matter, right? It it does, but uh, now I know it does. Uh, but I, I didn't care how much money someone had in their pocket or uh, didn't have in their pocket or what they did for a living. What I really cared about is how was their family doing? Um, how was their grandmother in the hospital? Things like that. And so I wasn't, I was a networker, but uh, but really about people and not about what they did. And, um, and how to grow their lives in a, in a business way. And so with B&I, uh, people started, I was, I was visible, I got credibility, and people started trusting me. And so they sent me to uh, sales calls of uh, pretty much closed business of uh, different restauranters and uh, cafe owners and things like that. And it really helped me grow my business uh, and networking. And so um, when you're at the top of the elevator... You're getting there. Um, you need to pr- send it back down. And what I learned is that I have such awesome, sweet power to help other people. Owning a cafe. People come in. We ask them, what kind of coffee do you want? Uh, do you want it in a French press, vacuum siphon, pour over, or Turkish, all those different brew methods? Um, and do you want something that's uh, chocolatey, rich, bold, um, all those different questions that we ask, but then after we find out what size cup they want and we've uh, already uh, asked them every question about coffee uh, ever, where do you live? Where do you work? What do you do for a living? What's you your target You always market? ask me how my business is doing and how like Every time I see you, you ask. Absolutely. Every I mean, time. It, it's part of what makes you who you are and also something may have changed. Just like uh, I went from Cantor to coffee roaster, business consultant, and uh, and and author and things like that, I have no idea. Um, it's like uh, meeting with new friends. What's new? Uh, and I ask everyone, uh, from kids to uh, to adults, um, what's new? If um, if I if I met with the president of the United States, uh, I would say what's new, because it opens up everything. Because it's important to know that so I can – maybe I know someone that can help grow your life. Yeah. I'll always be asking. Well, that excellent point, too, you're talking about. Um, so God Cries and an Angel Loses Its Wings is a book about creating community in your business. That's available on Amazon, too, folks. I'll put the link in the show notes. Was that part of your original business plan? Like, I'm going to have a coffee shop 
and I'm not just going to serve coffee. This is going to be a community networking ground where we're all going to do better. Was that like part of day one when you opened your doors? It, it really was. Yeah. It really was. Um, and studying about old coffee shops, the first coffee shops were speakeasies. They were really places where people would sit down over a cup of coffee and have a conversation. And the biggest part of that, um, the reason why that came about is that um, we, had, um, we had a laboratory in my, in my home in Wilmette, Illinois, right outside of Chicago, um, that after synagogue services, um, while I was, I was roasting coffee during that time too, um, I, we would invite the whole congregation, truly the whole congregation, to come over our house after Shabbat morning, Saturday morning services. They would come to our house, 50 people with their kids. They pl- the kids would play outside, out in the streets. The adults would play mahjong and, um, and uh, drink my fresh, uh, fresh roasted coffee that I had roasted that week. Um, and so it became a meeting place. It became um, where we would talk about our lives over playing games, eating my wife's awesome pastries and baked goods. Um, and so that was the beginning of Hazano, really. Um, and it took you a few while to open the brick and mortar, basically, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it truly is insane to start your own business. Um, but it's one of those things that you have to do if you have the resources, if you have a great idea that's going to be of another um, that's going to be different from everyone else. Uh, the big thing is that don't open something that's just going to be similar to another business. Make it crazy different. And so one of my favorite books is uh, The Blue Ocean Strategy. Excellent book, yeah. So it's a great book. But the biggest thing about it, if you just read the title, uh, you should read the whole book. Uh, we should buy the book. That and usually all that. helps. <laughs> <laughs> but the title itself is is it. Because um, you should treat your life, but you should treat your business as if uh, you're on, on an island and there's no one else around you. That all you can see from far, uh, as far as you can see, is blue ocean. No sharks around, um, meaning uh, competition, because you are so special that no one could come close to you. And so, um, and every when you have your own business, you should wake up every day. Thinking, how am I going to do something that I'm going to I'm going to ask myself, who else does this, and um, and there's no answer because no one else does that. Half a million dollars, October 2009. You open the doors on your Hazano coffee shop, cafe, a retail cafe location. How long before? You were out of. I, I don't know how long you had. I don't know what your burn rate was, but at what was, point? So it depends on who you ask. Yeah. Ask, ask my wife. <laughs> That's true. I'm asking you right now. Although it would have been, you know, I should yeah. have had her come. I have an extra mic. It would have been interesting to get uh, her perspective. But maybe I'll do that at some point too, because uh, <laughs> it is both you. But it, w- it would be great to. Uh, it, she's always said the business is me, um, but she has been. Um, the other thing, it's a another you know terrible analogy, um, but it's a tr- it's a truism that um, great great men um, often are created by uh, having a uh, great women um, um, next to them. Yeah, be um, having, and she, um, <laughs> um, but she's a uh, um, she's a 
she's my soulmate, the love of my life, but but truly always working hard. Every time I see her, she's working hard. Yeah, but the thing is, um, and that's part of uh, what I've really brought myself today is that um, we've killed our, both of ourselves off from the business that. Um, she's not working at the cafe anymore. She's not. She used to deliver coffee to all her wholesale accounts of fifteen hours a, uh, a couple of days a week. Um, she'd be waking up at five o'clock in the morning um, and coming home at eight o'clock at night delivering coffee for Casano Coffee Roaster. So we're done with that. <laughs> well, a little, a little cliche working on the business instead of in the business. Yes, right? yes. It's and only it's, cliche it, if it's not true. No, but it, it's really it's almost. Uh, it's a basic axiom of business that um, when you first start, and you get a, um, I'll answer your question about burn rates, um, but when you first start your business, you're working in the business. You really need to work in the business. Those cafe owners who start and they hire uh, 10 people and they're never there, uh, those businesses fail quickly. Yeah, too expensive. You got to put some sweat equity in, right? Well, it's sweat equity, but it's also you have no idea what you're doing. Um, you have you you have lots of knowledge, but you have no idea how you're going to do uh, anything, and you have no idea what problems going to come up. What happens when a small stupid things like a, a, a customer comes in and says, uh, "I'd like to have a latte." Twenty people heard heard that person say, "I'd like a latte," but you give them a latte. Uh, Thank you very much for coming in, and they say, "I ordered a cappuccino." Um, and so uh, you can learn about that, but unless the owner is there to say, to show employees that, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that, uh, that we gave you a latte instead of a cappuccino. Let me, uh, let me take care of that, and it's on the house. So small things like that. Than I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is why I don't have a brick and mortar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you need to be that way. Absolutely. Because uh, the thing uh, about owning your own business and also having a brick and mortar where you're um, you're not uh, behind a wall is that kindness because and I tell all my employees that there are very few things that will get you fired but one is um, is bringing drama into the cafe Even into I'll the business. say amen now amen yes I hate that I mean the thing is that um, if your dog dies I really I'm sorry um, I, I I feel for you. I That's love not dogs. Why people came in though, you know? but but people came in with much worse. Uh, someone someone's loved one just got di- diagnosed with a bad disease, um, and I sound like a TV evangelist, but there are uh, lots of bad things when you walk into a coffee shop. Uh, that woman could have had a, a terrible uh, conversation with her husband uh, that morning, and all she wants is a smiling face and to get an awesome cup of coffee, and um, and that's it. And maybe make her day a little bit better. And so uh, that drama must be. Um, and so, getting back to why you should be working in the business because you need to see that you need to see how your employees are working um how you're roasting the coffee how do people like the product or service that you're doing you want to see them look in their eyes and to see if they're truly um um is this something that's bringing them joy and also the education aspect because you put all of your money into that because you had that passion for all of my employees have always been awesome 
Um, and but it wasn't their money. And so and it's always been my passion to do this. And so uh, you need to be a role model to them to show them how to act as a business owner. Yeah, you also and I don't want to get too far ahead. I don't want to talk about the burn rate and all that, but yeah, I, it looks from the outside looking in like you set up a culture too. Yes. You kind of have to be there to do. I don't know how you'd set up a culture remotely, right? You set up a culture, they have to smile. If you're not a happy person, you you need to greet people when they come in. You you need to talk to people. Excellent. It's just a culture of excellence. Yes. And that and I found no matter what your culture is, that, that shit isn't an accident. It's something you have to do, pursue, correct constantly. Yes. And, I don't and you have to, to train people constantly. The thing is, uh, people ask me, Cusano's um, successful. Why don't you open up a couple of cafes all over the place? Um, and I say, that's totally not uh, part of my exit strategy. Um, it's not the way I want to live my life. The reason why is because there's a certain level of excellence and a certain level of managing. Um, even when you have a manager, you have to manage the manager. So um, I don't want to open up um, four or five Hazano coffee roasters because it is very difficult to manage people. And not in a, in a bad way. I enjoy it, but it takes a lot of time. You have to constantly be there. Um, People, without knowing it, um, employees come in and something made them unhappy that day. Um, and you pull them aside gently and say, what's going on? How's life too and what's new? Um, and you find out that they just had um, um, an argument with someone or some business is giving them the business um, and things like that. And just to tell them, you know, that the other people and the the cust- customers have had a much worse life, um, and so bring that joy and that smile um, to the I place. I say it a little more harshly. I, <laughs> I say hey, nobody fucking cares. I mean, they do, but I, yeah. mean, I care. But seven o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the morning, I care about that cup of coffee like really bad, and, and yeah. that is my day. And, Absolutely. And, and if you love coffee like I love coffee, and I know you do, but I'm talking to the audience here. That really does make my day. Like if I don't get my good coffee in the morning, I could tell. And especially after I had it, after I had it pretty much threw all the other stuff away. I just, I just want to tell you that it's really refreshing um, that um, you're cursing a lot. Because yes. I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's um, my brand. And it's something, it's something that I can't do. Um, they're all words that should be a normal part of um, of the English language, and unfortunately, it's they're not, um, so I can't share them all the time. But, I do try and reel it back a little bit, though, because sometimes I'm yeah, too far. Yeah, I don't so. think you really can. Um, it's part of your personality. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, but my wife and I, um, often, if we're by ourselves in the car, um, I can't do a dramatization, but, uh, but in the car without the kids, we'll spend like a half hour just cursing. Um, getting it out because um, we can't do it in front of the kids. My my Italian family uh, curse like the Sopranos. Truly, um, I still remember all my Italian curse words. The first ones. Well, I it's, it's not even the Italian curse words, but uh, those those were all there. Um, and someday I'll teach you those, and I can teach you the <laughs> the, the Yiddish curse words too. I want um, them all. I want to learn them all. I uh, I know them all, um, but. It would truly be a um, there would be a curse word every um, every couple of words. 
and my family. I was born into a roughneck family who then joined the United States Navy. And if you know, if you've ever been around anybody in the Navy, it's just pure filth 24 7 i need like to find contest. some um, naval friends it's a contest and filth too i don't i don't want to get into it too. so let's re- rewind back because october 2009 half a million dollars brick and mortar business that's basically like all in right yes this doesn't work out you can't get more uh, more in this doesn't work out you're pretty fucked pretty yes, much right absolutely you just took yeah. a decade off whatever you did you spent a yeah. decade saving I mean, and now you're putting it all in on and this. one on one side it's only money but that's ten years. A lot of, of money. That's a lot of money that we saved up over the years. Um, but it's it's also has to do with um, with confidence and with um, uh, no one wants to fail um, that badly. And that that helped the business. Um, that I re- there's I always said that it's impossible. There was a certain point. It's talking about burn rate. There's a certain point where it's impossible to fail. Um, let's not talk about banks, but um, but because <laughs> well, that's, a, they get that's another terrible uh, yeah. discussion. But uh, it was impossible to fail because we had the business was healthy enough, and so um, the we burned through that just over a couple of years, and there is a. Um, a natural um, advice that people give that the first year you're supposed to, you lose money spectacularly, spectacularly and, um, and then the second year you break even and the third year start making money. It doesn't always work that way. Um, and the question is, it, it's, it's a bad formula um, that a lot of business owners think is the truth because um, it holds you back from growing the business. So, uh, so it's truly about four years into that that we started taking money out of the business uh, and, and paying ourselves. Um, and so um, I've always had a, a goal. We haven't, even, we haven't reached my dream number of, and it's not a million dollars, but my dream number of how much I would like the business to be paying us so that we can do these other dreams that we want to do. So, and that keeps up getting closer and closer every year. But um, it was never at a point where we were to fail, but there were some awesome lessons um, throughout there. That was going to be my next question. So it took you four um, years before you were you're like, okay, after four years, unless you're just totally idiotic, you, you weren't going to biff it into the drain, right? You know no, you're going to be good. It was truly about two years where uh, – where were established. We grew from three accounts to about a hundred accounts in the first year, which was uh, so incredibly delicious and rewarding and idiotic, because um, we were roasting coffee all day long. We had no idea what we're doing in terms of delivery. We would deliver in Gross Point on. Tuesday and the same day we'd go up to Flint and said uh, yes to everything, didn't you? We said yes to yeah. everything, and and it's the not problem a bad is, way to start, but. no, and it's not. Yeah, you, you kind of have to. So uh, you can look back at a lot of things. So a lot of lessons. Saying yes to everything is bad, but it's also necessary because how do you carve market share? 
have to and, say yes. And how do you know what your target market is? So I thought that country clubs and um, we were in all the top country clubs after like the first year and a half. Um, hotels, top restaurants in the uh, in the state, but uh, that was awesome and idiotic and helped us ramp up to where we are and gave us great credibility. Um, but it didn't give us profitability because um, they weren't they were unable to pay us on time. A lot of big accounts, you can pat yourself on the back when you get this uh, very uh, um, big wholesale account, but then you have to think uh, if they don't pay you in two months and you have to shell out all this money for coffee beans, um, you're going to be losing money. Well, yeah, you're, you're, you're a wholesaler and you're financing their coffee purchase yes. for like a net 30, yes. net 60, something like that, right? And that so, could be hard to swing. Yes, and we wasted a lot of money, but again, I can't say it's wasted uh, because it, it gave us the credibility being in all of those places and, um, and created new, um, new accounts for us and, and new customers. So um, from the very beginning, retail and wholesale have been pretty neck and neck, half and half of uh, people coming to the cafe and our wholesale business. And the wholesale business was put there um, because of that first original goal that I wanted people to drink awesome coffee no matter where they were. Um, at a cafe, restaurant, at their office, that they always had access to phenomenal Chazano coffee. It's a different um, way to solve a problem. You don't have to be everywhere but your coffee can, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, I, I, I don't want to open up all these different cafes. Um, it's better that my in Detroit, that it's at Always Brewing, um, at Good Cakes and Bakes, at um, 14 East, at the Whole Foods in Detroit, that there are as many places as possible to get my coffee, um, but it's impossible to be physically there. Um, and so I learned the lesson, but it's it's also a lesson that I wouldn't stop. Uh, the spigot was wide open, um, spending money, because I really wanted to ramp up. I wanted to carve that market share quickly so that um, people knew who we were. That's yeah, an aggressive move. Yes. What I'm sure, I mean, I'm going to call them mistakes, but they're learning experiences as well, right? Yes. Um, what were some of the, I'm not going to put a number on them, but what were some of the, the biggest mistakes or biggest learning experiences you had? I'm sure there were a few probably right out of the gate too. Um, the biggest the was, was uh, it's, it's, it, there are so many and I love them. They're delicious. I love the mistakes that we made. Always an opportunity, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it truly is. And it's it's that that ability to make mistakes and get up again uh, and dust yourself off, to get knocked down, it's fantastic. So our prices were way too low, way too low. I feel and like so, you should be talking to Amanda right now. Prices, <laughs> are, prices are way too low, especially for exceptional coffee. So you weren't charging enough. Yes, we, we was not charging enough, especially wholesale. Uh, I was charging sometimes half of what I'm charging now. Wow. Half of what I'm charging now. Yeah, that doesn't seem sustainable, right? No, no, not at all. And we're boutique roastery. We're not 
we, we're not mass producing uh, coffee. Um, really, we're a small roaster. Even with uh, 200 wholesale accounts in a couple of years, we'll, we'll double that. But we're a small roaster, high quality beans. And so low quality, uh, low price. Um, it was so incredibly low priced um, that um, – so there was a business coach that I had, Ken Sewell, uh, at the time, awesome guy who uh, who said to me um, this axiom that if you that it, he knew I was undervaluing my coffee, um, and it had to deal with the um, how much money do you need to make to just break even, and how much money do you need in your pocket eventually, and how much do you need in order to feel successful? Having all those numbers in mind, it was low price. It was so uh, underpriced that. He said, if you raise your prices and everyone complains, which when you're a business owner, you worry everyone's going to leave you, you raise your prices. But if you raise your prices and everyone complains, then they're too high. If you raise your prices and no one complains, then they're too low. That's a good point. Um, And if just a couple people complain, they hem and haw, I don't know about that, that much for a cup of coffee or a pound of coffee, then they're perfect. Um, and so I couldn't do that. I didn't feel comfortable doing that because I didn't feel like we had enough market share at the time and that we had established ourselves well enough. Um, but we, we kept winning best coffee shop in Detroit every year, best business, all these accolades. And we had, we're growing, uh, uh, 20% every year. Um, I said, that's ridiculous. This is, I'm done. I'm done with um, undervaluing my my product. And so whatever service or product that you give, um, you're worth it. You're worth it and, you're, um, and you should be charging enough so that you have a good life too. Um, you have to charge enough so you can replace it, um, that product, um, and, and also where it brings a smile on your face. Yeah, really. You shouldn't be gouging customers, but you should be making enough to make sure to keep the lights on and also go on vacation. So you didn't charge enough. Right Did not charge. Day. That was a huge yeah. mistake. How long before you corrected that? Three years. Wow. Three years of really... Uh, Ooh, that's a heavy up. investment. Lost and that's why that, that's right? we're burning through everything um, that we had because we did that. But it established us, too. Um, and, and you can't, it doesn't have, everyone has coffee. There's coffee everywhere. Um, and they call things. Um, At least or, they call it coffee. They call it coffee. Yeah. It's just like, it's like anything. Beer. You've completely people, converted me now. That's well, they call it coffee. Yes. It's not coffee. It's not coffee because it doesn't enrich your life. It's not fresh. All my coffee is roasted fresh to order. We take the, um, if coffee doesn't sell in Plum Market, for example, um, in three weeks, we pull it off or Western Market or Holiday Market. It doesn't sell in three weeks after roasting. We pull it off the shelves, buy it back, and put fresh coffee on there. So this is really awesome, complex um, coffee. Perfect segue. Let's get into this because this is really, I think we're, um, you kind of set yourself apart. I know you do in many ways, right? But you are obsessed 
with coffee. I've, and I'm, and I, I don't use that word lightly. You are fucking obsessed. I am. Almost I like am. a crazy man. And the, the F word is really uh, uh, important. In it that. really is, right? If you yes. have not met Frank, he is absolutely 100% obsessed with coffee. So this is it. Talk about how obsessed you are. Can you talk about single origin, like everything, three okay. weeks, the whole thing? Because I didn't even know... If you don't know, it's part of the education you're talking about too. You just have no idea. So let's let's talk about how obsessed you are with coffee, quality, yeah. excellence. So let me, let me tell you what is cool about coffee that um, that brings a smile on my face. Um, um, and I can drink sixteen. I I, I must have some kind of uh, gene uh, um, benefit because I'm definitely in terms of. Drinking coffee is superhero um, because cups a day is I, uh, good. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't affect me. I could truly drink. I've had really bad days in terms of uh, that. I accidentally drank like you know forty cups of coffee, and it just <laughs> it truly doesn't do anything. When I've had three or four sales calls in one day, but what's interesting about coffee to me that's fascinating. It's just like wine. Wine has seven hundred fifty different flavor profiles, and coffee is fifteen hundred. Twice the complexity, twice the uh, combinations of of different notes and mouthfeel and body. Uh, every cup of coffee that I drink, I think about the complexity, the aroma, the depth. Is there a decrescendo flavor, a crescendo flavor? Uh, what is the finish like? Is it balanced? Um, is there sweetness to it, pungency, all of that? Uh, I often do that while I'm violently slurping it. Um, the the other cool things is that so all my coffee is high quality. It's specialty coffee, less than ten percent defects. Um, cheap commercial coffee is in forty percent, fifty percent defects, and so it can't get better. Um, it's fair trade or direct trade. They're all organic. Um, all the coffees. But what's cool about it is that you get a uh, you get one hundred thirty two pound bag of coffee from a certain altitude and uh, from a kind of certain kind of coffee varietal you roast it and the flavor notes that are going to come out have to do with the age of the green beans how quickly you get to certain temperature how slowly the altitude at which the coffee grew how old the green unroasted coffee beans are um, the palate our, our palate what we're trying to taste for um and where is it going to? It's going to an upscale Italian restaurant like Dewey Venti or Silver Spoon. Um, or is it going to a cafe in a college town? We'll roast it differently. And because of all those different notes, the different temperature, uh, we, we once, uh, I have certain roast profiles that I want, flavor profiles really, of all the coffees, and my roasters know that. Um, there was one roaster, um, Trisha, who roasted it differently one day, um, Ethiopia Yurga Chefe. So the way I like to roast it is uh, it comes citrusy, almost like Meyer lemons and chocolate. Fantastic. Classy cup of coffee. And then she roasted it two degrees Fahrenheit um, higher. Is this on purpose or on accident? Um, I think it was purposefully because I give them all – all my roasters, um, the ability to make those decisions on their own. If they think it's going to taste better, then they could they could um, 
roast it any way they want to unless I come in and say, yeah, I don't like this. This isn't the way we roast coffee. Um, I can talk about it in a moment. But hers, where mine was more like Meyer lemons and chocolate, hers was like passion fruit and graham crackers. So just two degrees more changed the whole flavor profile. It also made it, instead of uh, classy and smooth, it was more gritty and grabbed you in the middle of your palate. So that's why I love coffee. What I also love is when I'm doing a sales call and tasting the chef's desserts and drinking my coffee with that, that certain coffees pair well with certain foods. If you're drinking a Mount Viter Cabernet, one of my favorite um, bottles of wine ever, um, that has huge mouth, it's it's the rich body. It's it's drinking you while you're drinking it. It's that uh, powerful. Uh, you need a certain coffee that's going to balance well with that. So we, we usually have about 12 to 15 different coffees that we roast fresh every day. And it's all sold out every day or two. So nothing stays on the shelf in the cafe really more than two days, the most. And most of it's gone after a day. Um, and so uh, I love that aspect, the complexity that there are all these different changes and also the water quality. Drinking a cup of coffee up here in Detroit is different than drinking a cup of coffee in Ferndale or Brighton um, because the quality is different. Um, and it also has to do the brewing method. So taking up, we, we have a new Panama Carmen estate right now and it is awesome Awesome, awesome cold brew, iced coffee. But as a French press, it's a really good French press. But it's not going to, it's not the coffee that I want uh, my dying days, the last sip of coffee on my um, on my tongue. The last sip. Yeah. I um, hope I can pick my last sip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all do. Yeah. We all do. But the thing is, uh, uh, becoming more serious is that uh, we should be drinking that now. We should be uh, drinking our last sip now. Absolutely, because you don't you know, know when your last you sip know. is, right? You never know. Better, better hedge your bets on that yeah. one. Yeah. Hopefully it's not some dog shit from a gas station. <laughs> oh, it's so terrible way to go I out. I mean, it's just that it doesn't make sense anymore. The, part of my, um, my sinister goal in this world is to make sure that people are unable to drink bad coffee. It's sort of what the craft brew brewing um, businesses are doing now uh, is making it very difficult for a lot of us to drink bad beer. Um, Good. And even, absolutely. Uh, and wine has had centuries to um, teach us that Manischewitz is not the, the best wine out there. It's not just about getting the buzz. It's about the mouthfeel and the fragrance and the nose and the bouquet and things like that. And so my sinister goal is that it is impossible for you to physically drink a bad cup of coffee. That, um, that you have to search out, find the best coffee you can find. Um, because it's really, why would you drink, um, why would you drink bad coffee? Yeah. Life is short. It, it really is. It's, it's, it's not even being uh, cliched at all. No. Um, Fact. Um, just uh, enjoy, you should, for, it's for, uh, for $15 per pound, uh, you can enjoy a cup of coffee for less than 40 cents. 
of an awesome cup of coffee. And so why wouldn't you do that? I know. Ten, well, I can get mine for five cents. And <laughs> you sure save 35 cents. I, yes. I don't want 35 cents that bad. But the thing is, and going back to business, is that you can do things cheaply, but um, then it has no value. Has no value to you, um, and so um, getting that it doesn't have as much value as the uh, the awesome cup of coffee that you can buy at Hazano and other places. Carefully chosen coffee for carefully chosen people. Yes. Uh, well, I can say personally too that around three, three, four years ago, something like that, Gina and I made the decision, um, and it. God, so many cliches in this. It's not a cliche if it's true, folks. Quality over quantity. Why eat crap food? Why drink crap coffee? Why yes. have crap? If you don't enjoy it, I'm not talking like go just blow your bank account or not have savings or anything like that. No. For a lot of those years, and still now, we just have less, and but better. Yes. And it, it I find that it kind of bleeds over slowly albeit bleeds over to other parts of your life too right it's just impossible to keep like in a box yeah you have good coffee maybe you can't afford to have a pot of it a day but you have a cup of it a day and you're a lot happier having had a cup of excellent coffee rather than crap coffee and then pretty soon you don't want to have the crap food or the crap pizza you want the good it just it kind of bleeds on then you don't want to do you want to do a better job in your work and it, i don't know i finally just oh. kind of just bleeds everywhere if you let but, it. but you know just um up getting di- planting different kinds of tomatoes yes. in your garden um in your uh, in your farm that they have different notes to them i um, can't even buy tomatoes or i can't even buy any of that stuff hardly anymore it's just so difficult it's just crap yeah absolute crap it's up it's very difficult but what what it forces you to do when you buy quality stuff and i'm not talking about expensive but when you buy quality fresh food it makes you pause in your life and and helps you become introspective helps you think about that because with all the education i do with my customers uh, with the coffee uh, i ask them to slurp violently and to sniff violently do all that thing i'm taking them out of their ordinary lives and helping them think about and asking you when i ask you uh, what kind of notes do you taste even if you say it tastes like coffee uh, i've i started you thinking that uh, next time I drink a cup of coffee somewhere, I should think about the notes, the the mouthfeel, the body, things like that. Um, and so drinking um, or eating high-quality um, food and beverages um, enriches your life, helps you, helps educate you, um, and maybe even connects the dots in other parts of your life. Yeah, it's a better experience. Uh, Gina and I, we just have more fun together when we do that. And- yeah. I don't know. And it truly, life is short. It really is. You have is. no idea. I, I hate to uh, you hear about all these rockers dying at, at around age 70, um, and they've had full lives, but you truly don't know what your last day on this earth is. No. Um, it's impossible to know that. And so why not enjoy it? You should have a smile on your face as um, all day long. Uh, there are things that happen, bad crap that happens i'll i'll go that far um for sure yeah but um but after get over it solve that problem and go on to what's going to really bring you joy i find that quality helps me stay in the moment longer 
I, I have a problem slowing down. I found that's what I love about farming is it's kind of like I'm spinning it 30,000 RPM and farming like gets me down to 6,000 RPM so yes. I can enjoy things more and the better quality in things I'm doing, the more I enjoy the moment, the easier it is for me to stay in the moment and then I'm going to have something like joy or, or companionship or I need every, every inch that way I can get. It's just, it's a problem with my, I don't know, a problem, a challenge with my personality that more faster, you know, well, hold on. I need to reel it back. And quality for me is just one of those, one of many things that slows me down and helps me enjoy the moment a moment longer. Absolutely. Which is a challenge for me. And, and you need to step back, especially when you're in a business. You really need to, and I'm really happy now that um, I can step back, that my employees are taking care of the day-to-day. I'm writing the checks, thinking about the vision, different products that I'm coming up with, like the coffee sodas, uh, things like that. I love those so bad. Um, I, I, uh, they're really, uh, um, but, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But I got it on the list, yeah. It's right here. It's, uh, That's a good one. But... But the thing is that you need to step back and just um, and look in, um, sort of like um, um, the the ghost of uh, of Christmas uh, past and Christmas future, um, and really look into um, uh, where you're going, where you have been, where are you right now. Uh, there's all that um, um, holistic and um, um, stuff, but. It's really living in the moment, but also looking in the future constantly. And you can't do that when you first start the business. You have no idea what's coming. Um, so, And you're too busy just working the business. And eventually when you work on the business, you can really step back and say, that's awesome. That's great. But let's change that. Um, so the coffee soda was one of those things, um, an innovation that was from, from my past um, that I wanted to be part of, always want to be part of the future. All right, I want to back out to like the bird's eye view real quick, uh, just because we are going everywhere, and I, that's what I love about conversational too. But I want to make sure I'm staying on track. So, especially with a New Yorker, yeah, you're going a mile a minute, and I love it. Thanks for good radio. <laughs> you have an excellent radio voice as well. So, from the bird's eye view, it was like a multi prong attack. You you had years of practice. Yes. You ran the numbers. You've read the books. You did. You prepared as best as you could. Yes. You went all in. You committed 100%. You worked in your business. You created a culture. You won an experience. So it was a networking experience, a conversational experience, a community experience. You wanted to develop wholesale. And then you wanted to push out, innovate, create products. Like uh, you, you you partnered with companies and then you're pioneering and like coffee soda um, and then consulting or moving. So it really was kind of looks like a multi prong attack, a prong attack. Sorry. Um, what did you try that didn't work? Because I'm sure some ideas. Oh, and you also mail coffee, by the way, people. If yes. You go to Ship coffee all across the country. You don't have to go. Geez, I wish I lived in Metro Detroit. You can literally go to Hazano.com or actually shop.hazano.com and. Both. Sign up, and then he'll ship you coffee every or, single month. Or just call us. Yeah. Just call us, and um, we'll, sh- we'll ship coffee to you. But what didn't work? Because I know some things didn't work, right? Uh, the biggest thing that didn't work is that uh, when I when I believed – well, it was print advertising for me. So I did that too. If uh, And it's, it's – for some businesses, uh, if you are an estate planner, um, it makes a lot of sense – because 
even if you get one new customer, it pays for that ad. Uh, but you have to sell a lot of cups of coffee, a lot of pounds of coffee for certain advertising. And I'm not going to say in which publications didn't work. Because that but, doesn't matter, yeah. No, it doesn't matter. Uh, and for some other business, it might have mattered. If I was a doctor, it it may uh, it may have helped. Yeah, it's not but, the fault of the publication. No, no. And so it was spending, I would often spend, and it's not a lot of money, but uh, in in terms of uh, you know total gross of the business, but I would spend five thousand dollars here to be in a uh, local team's yearbook um, for a small ad, and I said even if just a couple of people saw that, um, that would be that would be enough to pay for it. But um, I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. I spent a lot of money uh, doing what I call uh, and other people before me vanity press. Where you're doing it to pat yourself on the back, kind of thing. You think it's going to work. It may work. It's it, there's sort of like a, and you have to do this in business. You have to do this in life. You got to throw uh, throw things against the wall and see if they stick. You have no idea if they will stick. Um, and so, spend a lot of money on publicity like that, and all of a sudden, and sometimes it's and it's kind of an, a, a disease that founders have. Um, because you want to see your the name of your business in 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 big lights. So, uh, God forbid, I ever got an ad, even if it was for free, at the Super Bowl, for example. Um, it's that return on luck. Can you fulfill that return on luck? Um, it would it would kill my business if I had um, un- unless people were going to rush in and uh, and um, and save me by investing, but. It would kill my business. I, I wouldn't be able to fulfill all those orders. And so the, one of the biggest things was uh, spending way too much money on, on print advertising, um, not paying enough. But it was also, and this is something I didn't know, um, Hazano coffee is an elite product. It's really, there's, you can't get better. Can't get better. Um, I don't. I have no dreams of world domination, but it's impossible to get better coffee. You may get uh, even fine, equally good. There are a few places in the around the country that I've traveled where I really like the coffee. Yeah, you um, posted on Facebook the other day. You found yeah, coffee it was just it was shocking. Yours. Yeah. But it's it shocking. It's not. Uh, I love all the coffee co- companies, but uh, there's. It's a different business. I'm in the business of creating every cup of coffee, no matter what wholesale account it is, that um, you're going to drink my coffee and it's going to be the best cup of coffee you ever had. That's my business, um, truly. Um, and Yeah, let Folgers do what Folgers does, right? And, yeah. Yeah. And in my family, um, that's the F word. It really um, is, too. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say anything bad about Maxwell House. Um, Two interesting stories. First thing, my son is named Maxwell or Max, so I can't say anything bad about Maxwell House. Budding chef, too, I noticed. Yes, yeah. Yes. So um, he's an awesome chef. He, he also understands that uh, he, he doesn't cook as often now. Uh, he was making everything from fresh pasta to knishes. Uh, there was nothing. He was also doing micro cooking uh, i forgot what it's called but um making very small things too uh, and he's really good at it but it's the cleaning up so yeah that part <laughs> that part always sucks <laughs> he, uh, he really hates that uh, and his sisters are not cleaning up 
Um, but the biggest part was not knowing my target market well. So I was going after all the big fish and getting them, but it was really killing my business. Mm. Once I raised my prices, they left me, and it was the best thing that ever happened. Uh, okay. It was freedom. So raising your prices fixed your mistake of yes. not targeting your target market. Yes. And so when you raise your prices, the general belief is that uh, if it's successful, you'll lose 10% of your customers. 10%. I only lost 5%. So it wasn't a, I didn't raise it high enough. Um, but I lost all the big accounts that couldn't pay me on time. Man, that's good too. Those are good people to lose. Absolutely. Yeah. It's painful when you're a business owner because your identity, uh, you take it personally. So another thing I read in my book, but it's a really important um, uh, lesson that someone taught me when I was a cantor, um, a, a rabbi who married um, uh, Lisa and, and me, um, who officiated at the wedding. Um, um, I love saying that. but. He said, I was having a problem with a particular synagogue, and he said, Frank, uh, remember this. Um, when people compliment you, don't take it personally. And when people criticize you, don't take it personally. And it's a great lesson because a lot of times when people criticize you um, or even compliment you, it's not really about you. It's really about what's going on in their lives. And so a lot of truth um, in that. it's uh, the biggest thing about i see a lot of business owners they're depressed because they're not making as much money as they want to they're not having as many customers as they want to and they're taking it personally but truly although i'm passionate about this business i'm passionate about Kazano coffee um i love everything that i'm doing but it's just a business it's a business and um if it closed tomorrow i'd be saddened by that but um, but it's just a business. It's not my life. It's not me. Um, but it becomes part of your identity. Your success or failure in the business becomes who you are. And um, you're at your healthiest as a business owner when you step away and whatever happens in the business, it's your fault, good or bad, but it's not who you are. Yeah. You're always responsible for all your results, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It, uh, it truly... Um, if you're a leader or an owner... That was a difficult lesson for me to learn, by the way. I had to do it a couple times before it finally... I got it in through my head. Uh, yeah. You get a, you, I find that you have to repeat the lessons until you learn them. And I recommend you just learn that one quickly and early because it could be expensive later. Absolutely. But it, it, it may come up all the time because something else that... Um, it's difficult to separate your yourself, your emotions... Um, your your physical well-being from the business because it becomes one it becomes one uh, multi-headed beast um and so the biggest thing for me from the very beginning was no matter what i did whatever mistakes i made whatever successes i made that the goal of my life in the business the way to make it the healthiest is to get me out of it um where it runs on its own so um i so one way I did that is to um, write down a, um, and I ask my clients to do this too, um, a job description for yourself. Um, what do you do? Everything. Every little thing that you do, uh, good, bad, and ugly, and, and see how to farm that off over time. Um, 
everything in the business, you are unnecessary as a business owner in everything. Um, eventually, you shouldn't be turning the lights on in the morning. You shouldn't be closing out the caf- the, uh, the cafe. Um, and eventually, you shouldn't be doing uh, things like ordering. All your ordering um, um, should be done by someone else. Why do you have to do that? Um, it's your brilliance that brought this great idea and this great process and business. Um, ordering, anyone could order um, products. Yeah, well, and everybody, there's always somebody better than you anyway who can yeah. do it better, and you can just hire that person too, yeah. right? I have my operations manager, Julie, right now. She loves organizing things, and she's doing a fantastic job of putting things together. I hate organization oh god i hate it too. I, I, yeah. I hate that <laughs> i hate coming up with the processes and um at all but the other thing is uh, just like finding someone who's smarter than you find find people in your operation that are better than you that know a certain thing better than you and are passionate about that i'm not passionate about um about quickbooks but i know people who love who it's it brings them joy um, and probably different uh, happy chemicals happen in their uh, system when they get a big box of invoices. So for me, oh. that's um, I would like to put that in a closet and uh, I'd rather and have lock a root it. canal than, yes. than go through that. It'll yes. be over quicker. So the, the thing about life and about business, find that things in your business that you love that are just uh, uh, bring you utmost phenomenal joy. Technical question. Um, Helpful to me and everybody else, too. Uh, putting you a little on a spot so you don't have to know the exact numbers or anything like that. Um, what Over time, what did you figure out that you had to track as a brick and mortar and as a business to determine how effective you were being and what to change and what not to change? For example, in my business, I track the number of calls I make, new prospecting calls, mm-hmm. appointments, offers sign pas and closings like i could track more but i found if i track those five things it gives me a pretty good indication of how i'm doing what i can do better uh what i could do differently if i if i track those things in your brick and mortar business what numbers did you did you find were important to track like, were the most important i'm sure you track a lot of things but so average transa- transactions um how much uh, average uh Purchase from customers every day. Um, that's very important. Uh, if you have, if you're a high-priced business and uh, getting five customers every day is awesome, um, then that's what you should track. So I always track how many customers over the. What's the average every day? How many customers come into our shop? That's the. Uh, that's one number that I track. And how much do they spend when they come in? Um, and so just that one number, um, it's always going up. It's going up a big time every year. And I almost don't need to, I don't need to worry about those numbers at all. But how do I tweak it to grow my business and grow my life so that people spend more? And not something insidious, uh, putting uh, you know snack food uh, around the counter, um, don't do that because I don't want them to um, spend more money and make themselves unhealthy. Um, that's not my business model. Um, but and how do you get more people in the door? That's that's a big uh, 
big part. Um, another another uh, thing that I track uh, really carefully is how much does everything cost? Um, it's something that you have to, as a business owner, um, and it brings smiles to uh, to new business owners about how insane you have to be about knowing that because prices change all the time and so are you really making enough money um when you add every part of this the cup the the lid delivery um the payroll every aspect that makes that cup of coffee what do you truly need how much do you need to spend uh how much do you need to um um to charge for that, um, so it's 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 uh, cost of goods sold uh, is a big number for me um, because uh, what um, Henry Ford, the great Henry Ford, was one of the greatest businessmen ever. He's um, I I love him not as a person because he was uh, the one of the worst anti semites. Yeah, I was going to uh, say ever ever, and so so but. Because it's just like uh, th- there had to be a reason, it had to be some kind of mental illness that caused that um, um, that hatred. But business-wise, he was uh, like a god. Because one thing he taught there's 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 a little plaque um, on my counter. That I remember that I got a picture. Yes, of it. someone stole it, and I I bought what? another one. Someone stole that uh, that original plaque, and I bought another one. Come on, people! And, uh, whoever that is, I'm going to find you. But uh, <laughs> give it back. <laughs> I hope they needed it more than you did. I hope they really. Well, I hope it. not because it's uh it's really pertaining to my uh. And so the plaque said that um that I like every color as long as it's black. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was a great um, philosophy. Uh, it hurt the business later on because other people were uh, were offer other companies were offering different colors and that hurt Ford for a little bit. But the other thing that he said is that uh, Henry Ford would always look at a price and say to his managers, "Get the lowest price for me," and then they come back with the crazy lowest price, and then he would then say, "Find a lower price." And so, without hurting your vendors, the um, the cost of goods sold is a huge number um, for especially a, some, someone who deals with commodities like coffee. Uh, how do you get lower and lower prices with, with everything? How do you bring it as low as you possibly can and then go even lower? Because isn't um, your cost of goods something – I mean, I don't – correct me if I'm wrong. Like labor generally is somewhere between 6 and 10% and – Everything else, uh, it's some a large. Number. It depends. Yeah. Um, it's it's a it's a very large number. It's but it, it also chunk. depends on your exit strategy. Your uh, so the, everyone has there is a philosophy, and if you study business and you go to business school, which I, I didn't go to business school, um, just learned on my own. But um, there's a certain number. Your cost of goods sold should be under twenty percent, and your uh, your payroll should be thirty percent, things like that. Um, but it depends on your business. So my payroll is higher because I pay my employees better than um, than any other cafe in the land uh, because I want quality people and they should get paid as well as I possibly can. And I'll um, and no matter how much money Hazano makes, I'll keep 
pumping that into uh, payroll because I want them to to live happy lives like I'm living a happy life. But the other uh, part of that is that I want enough people on staff and the right people and pay them well so that I don't have to be there. I don't have to. uh, So my choice was, and it causes me some uh, stomach aches, but my choice was to make my payroll um, higher than is the healthiest for the business, but it's it's better in the future because I can be outside of the business and grow it um, and have awesome conversations like this. It's true. If you weren't doing that, you'd be working in your shop right now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I track the, pro- the cost of goods. That's a huge number for us. Uh, transactions. It used to be, I used to pat myself on the back, how many accounts we have um, and how quick it grew but if you're not making i could have a thousand accounts but if we're not making any money it doesn't matter matter. there was uh, a local business owner who um, she said she learned her greatest lesson when she grossed a million dollars first time she grossed a million dollars and lost twenty thousand dollars Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> sucks. So, Great accomplishment. You're still short. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's a that's that's in the back of my mind. All these life lessons are in the back of my mind that uh, remind me that um, you need to make money. Yeah. Profit is necessary. And profit provides good things. It provides for happier owners um, and owner's family so that the business continues and grows and adds uh, a benefit to people's lives. Um, it's also a big thing. Um, when you first start your business, you're basically working to um, give your employees a job. Uh, it's all going to payroll and um, you're not paying yourself anything, but um, you really have to make a profit. And so all those little numbers, the uh, the cost of goods sold, my payroll, really looking into that, um, and and it's not about how many sales, but what businesses, what are good accounts for us now that will appreciate the coffee, will make money off of the coffee for themselves, will when you go to the restaurant or cafe or office, people are going to say. What coffee is that? Oh, it's Khazano Coffee? Where is that? And they'll become our retail customers. So what accounts, we don't accept everybody um, anymore. In the first, there was the floodgates, whoever uh, wanted our coffee. Um, but we really, we want it to be, that profitability to be both ways. For us to make money, for them to make money. Yeah, it's got to work for both or it's not going to work, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Something near and dear to my heart. 220 wholesale accounts. What does your sales process look like? And and without giving away trade secrets, of course, uh-huh. all right? Uh, I'm not sure if there is, but if there's something you're not comfortable saying, don't. Um, but how did, you, how did you sell 220 or your team sell, right? Hazano Coffee Cafe sell yes. 220 wholesale accounts. Because that's, that's like some old school door-to-door shit, right? Like vacuums. I mean, that, that's... Where the real well, metal it is, meets the but it's uh, it's it's new school and old school. So in certain businesses like real estate, um, and in other businesses, you have to do a lot of cold calling, um, and some people really love that, and it's effective, even if it's two out of a hundred. But 
those two out of 100 could make you money. But because everyone has coffee, there's coffee everywhere, every cafe around, excuse me. That's okay. You really have a benefit mm. with um, with coffee um, or real estate, mm. especially when it's roasted this well, as you can mm. put it in front of their face and have them drink it too. Yes. Like that always seemed like that's a huge advantage to have. Maybe your gross isn't very, or your net isn't very high and you got to sell a lot. Yes. But you are just like, hey, put it in front, try it, try it, try it, try this, try it that way, try it that way. Yeah. It's, it's really, you know, I don't know where I learned this, but part of it was just the passion. When you go to sales call and you have that passion and they see you're crazy about coffee, you see you're crazy about your product, um, it's really, it's, a, it's one of the first steps. The other thing is about that my goal for every sales call is that I don't go to the sales call unless there has been preparation. So the science of, um, and it's not, it's not a, um, it's truly a science and an art form to, to sell anything. Uh, part of that is knowing the metrics. How much does it cost for a, a cup of coffee for the wholesale account um, for this pound of coffee, that pound of coffee, if they sold 22-cup French presses, if they just sell, sold it as drip coffee, having all that information, it's knowing what their problem is first before they say it or even if they may not even know it. Um, it's doing the research, being a private investigator, learning about that business, both online and in person, and finding out um, how well they're doing and also going to eat there and drink there and try the coffee and figure out, is this um, do they really need it? So there's certain low-level accounts that we wouldn't go after. Um, I'm not going to say the names, but um, certain diners, <clears throat> uh, it makes no uh, sense for them to sell my coffee. Too expensive for them. They give it away as like water and there's no um, – there's no return on the investment for them. So we're not going to go... Quality control, I would say, too, right? It's quality control, too. Yeah. And, um, and so um, I do private investigating um, of finding out, going there, eating there, what is the customer service like? What is... Um, are people smiling? Uh, is this something that's going to enrich their lives, their business? But even bef- um, while I'm doing that... Um, I'm also finding out, uh, and I often will go to a restaurant that I really like and um, that treated me well. I'll put a nice tip down there, put my car down there, my my Hazano pen, and um, um, servers love pens. Um, and, and if the food was awesome, the service was great, and the coffee was nasty, um, I'll say, may I speak to the manager? Opportunity. Opportunity. Yeah. And so uh, the manager comes over and says, how was everything? I said, the food was great. The coffee was great. The nut and cheese plate, if I died after I had that, would have been – it would have been fine. Um, The fine flight of of wine from the Adriatic coast uh, was fantastic. But the coffee was terrible. Coffee was terrible. And and they often say – Yes, we know. Yes, we know. Um, we don't like it either. Damn. So there's another opportunity right there. You just jump all over that one, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Take them down right there. Uh, but it's really, um, I own Hazano Coffee Roasters, and uh, would there be a possibility of having a, a meeting um, soon about that? 
we schedule a time just to drink. The worst thing that happens after this um, sales call is that you'll have an awesome cup of coffee to drink, um, even if it doesn't work out for the restaurant. So do that. And if I if I can't do that, then I'll ask around to all my friends um, and and coffee customers <clears throat> if I want a warm introduction to someone. I'll keep asking. So the biggest thing, the turning point in our business was no worries. Terrible when um I've had you when it happens for, to singers for two hours now. I've been uh-huh. keeping you talking for two hours. Yeah, <laughs> um, pretty good. Yeah. But the the biggest turning point was Baco Ristorante. Our uh, that was our first big account. One of the greatest uh, restaurants in uh, in all of Michigan. One of the great Italian restaurants, fantastic customer service. The food was great, and the coffee was nasty. That's terrible for an Italian and, um, restaurant. And it, it's it's truly uh, superb. The chef there, Luciano Del Signore, a fantastic uh, guy, great chef. Um, and I wanted a warm introduction to uh, to that to to Luciano, and I asked for nine months. I asked different people, do you know Luciano? Do you know anyone? Do you know the chef there, the sous chef? Uh, kept asking questions to people um, because why would they choose my coffee over anyone just by tasting it? But there's no credibility. No one knows me. Um, but And so in one day, I got a warm introduction to Luciano and to his sous chef at the time. And I met with both of them at the, at the same time. And so, uh, and before that preparation, people said, you need to buy Frank's coffee. It's the best around. I drink it. It's in all these different accounts. And so you need that before a really successful sales call, you need that preparation. And you need people to give you the visibility and the credibility before you can prove that it's profitable. So people were selling you before you even sold them. Yes, and it's really the secret of how we've grown so quickly. There's so many different ingredients in there, um, the quality of coffee, uh, the metrics, and the, um, and the networking and things like that. But it's whatever business or service that you provide, you need to teach your – if you want to have an easier, better life – and a freer life, you need to teach your employees, your um, your friends and family, your business friends, uh, your vendors, what you do and what you're looking for. Uh, you need to teach them. Um, so uh, there are certain specialty markets that I wanted a warm introduction to. So I have a list. I, I've always had a dream list of of sales calls. So I wanted Oprah Winfrey on her last show to be drinking Hazano coffee in a red Hazano mug and crying as she's uh, saying goodbye to her TV audience and cry- and then su- pausing in between um, crying and taking a sip of coffee um, and said, that's the best cup of coffee I ever had. That's one. I still want it to be um, consumed by the Pope during uh, <laughs> Easter Sunday Hell yeah. to be uh, speaking in Latin and all of a sudden to pause in English and say, drinking uh, and see the, uh, the logo and drinking a cup of my coffee. So those are the crazy ones. But part of that was to be at Baco. Um, that was it because it's, it's the premier, it was the premier place. It still is a phenomenal place. Um, 
coffee's not there anymore. But um, it helped launch us because once we were at Baco Ristorante, we had that account. Um, everyone else dropped to their knees and said, if he's at Baco, then he deserves to be at my restaurant, at this cafe. And so that helped. I needed that uh, that turning point, that tipping point. Yeah, it's like uh, a third-party endorsement, right? If somebody yes. else is also uh, at a high level of excellence and yes. quality, if they take you on, that is like a third-party testimonial, right? Yes, and just like when you um, – there's other uh, philosophy and uh, all of these uh, – um, business uh, gurus talk about that you shouldn't spend time with, uh, it's kind of cruel, but you shouldn't spend time with people, friends and business people who are beneath you, uh, who are, um, you should find people that are above you, yeah, that are greater better than, than you, you, better yeah, than you absolutely. because, uh, and even uh, with, uh, with weight, that if you spend time with uh, people that are overweight, you tend to absolutely. I have um, lost fifty pounds since you look, just, you look awesome. Since hanging out with people, you know, who I don't are say that to men, but you, know, you look awesome. <laughs> and that that that's not because I've known you before. That's the truth. Yeah, you saw me when I was two hundred ninety-seven pounds yeah. and smoking and didn't care about my appearance and yeah. and everything else. Yeah, you absolutely. That's not cruel. That's just true. And so you have to surround you, yourself with people who make you better. Um, and, and even um, your spouse. You you should have a spouse that makes you better. Yeah, and holds you accountable, yes. too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I always look. If somebody doesn't hold you accountable, that means they don't give a shit about you. That, Absolutely. That's really the truth. Yes. It might if hurt the, when they say it, but it means they care. Yeah. If they're not truthful with you, they don't really care about they you. They don't care about you at all. So no. I hope you're listening to that. I, I, if I don't tell you the truth, I, sorry, I, it means I don't care. Yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, or, or I don't think you would care or... It's yeah. just a true, and I've been there too. So I've been on both sides. So park it, you know, get off your high horse. That shit's true. Yeah. So man, that's a lot of preparation for for accounts. I like that. So you Absolutely. have a list too. Like okay, I, I have a list, and I um, um, and I have at any one time, and everyone should do this. Have a list of ten. Uh, you should have your dream list. Who would launch you into the next phase of your business or life? I'm gonna have to go do this. Um, who would launch you into your next phase of your business yes. life? Because meeting the president of the United States would be cool, whoever it is uh, at the time, be really cool. But is that going to really grow my business and having a picture of uh, myself with the president? That's not going to do it. But meeting with someone that could um, looks at my, me and my business and says, let me help you out with that. Who is that person? That's kind of a segue into your um, consulting business, right? Um, something that you want to do. Also, part of what you said earlier is, you know, I know you're not at the top, but you're sending the elevator back and down with your consulting yes. business. Was that was that part of that? Was like, look, I learned all these lessons. Here's what worked, and here's what didn't work. Let me help you out and shave a bunch of time off. And yes, okay. So even uh, even if the the building is uh, a skyscraper and there are a hundred floors, um, even if you're just on the fifth floor, uh, you should send the elevator back. And uh, if you have good things in your life and you have positive power, you should help other people um, get better. Um, and so when I first started the business, because I just uh, you know, poured my money on the table and the business was growing and successful with sales calls and wholesale accounts and all of that. 
um, that and getting all these warm seductions to uh, bigger and better accounts, um, I felt really blessed uh, that people were helping me out. And so I wanted to help other people out. And so before God and Coffee Consulting came about, um, I was people would send the uh, Ferndale Chamber of Commerce would send new business owners people were thinking about business they'd say go talk to Frank at Hazano Coffee uh, because and I sit down with anyone I still do and and uh, talk to them about their business and try to f- figure out how to grow whatever they want to grow um, and it is stupid simple but since I've stupid, been doing it, it but it's works. different you send people business yes. They send you business. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, it just it does work. It does take time. Yes, right? it doesn't happen it's, the second it's you do it. It's paying it forward, yeah. um, and every cliche you can talk about. But um, people will, what, what for whatever, whatever reason you do it, whether it's um, out of um, sheer um, money and profit or doing it out of the kindness out of your heart. It's going to help your business, um, and it even just teaching your customers how to sell your business um, helps helps you. Um, it helps them because if they recommend a friend that they should start drinking uh, or using your service, then um, their friend loves them. Um, I have a, I think I wrote in my book or some blog posts about. Um, uh, about a plumber that um, I recommended a plumber to a friend who the plumber did a great job and then that um, the plumber got tons more work, more work than he can handle from that one referral and that person loved me, that coffee customer loved me because I just helped them solve their problems, their plumbing problems, which is uh, um, could be one of the worst problems you have in life. Uh, hopefully, yeah. It's one of my favorite parts about civilization is plumbing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's high on the um, list. Yeah, um, and so and it keeps going down the line. And then that plumber takes a half a pound of coffee and starts giving it to his new customers that you help help them get. Um, now they're becoming Hazano um, Coffee customers, and the plumber. Uh, is getting more business again because they've turned them on to something that's going to enrich their lives. So it just keeps going. Um, Seventh tier, hundredth tier, you can't keep up with it anymore. Yeah, if you expect people to help you with your business, I mean, you can't be a hypocrite and not help them with theirs, right? Just kind of goes hand in hand. Do what you expect other people to do, right? So over the years, I've been developing sort of a curriculum uh, of how to talk to if you're if you tell me six months out I'm going to open up a cafe um, these are the steps in which you need to take uh, before um, before you open up the cafe even when you're going to choose a building so commercial real estate um, you know about um, what I did before I found um, um, Hazano Coffee is uh, once I finally said you know. I can't do this out of a little warehouse um, on Ten Mile, uh, which was a great boon. It was awesome. Uh, my uh, my friend uh, now uh, Michael Chudnow um, helped give me an awesome low cost, low rent space to start my business, and it really um, it's his fault that we're successful. Thank um, you, sir. Thank you very <laughs> much. <laughs> um, but what I did is I, I, I again you have to stake out. 
um, just like you're a private investigator for sales calls, you need to be a private investigator for your own business. So um, any, I tell any of my um, God and Coffee Consulting and anybody who comes to me where they want to do a brick and mortar is for them to um, to investigate each space that they're interested in, sit out in their car at different times all during the day, all during the week, uh, two o'clock in the morning, sit in your car and see what's going on. Are there kids hanging out in the street? Are there, um, is it safe? Is it, is there traffic happening at two o'clock in the morning? Like Manhattan, um, make me cry. Um, (laughs) but, um, what's going on? What's the traffic like at different times of day, 2 PM, 5 PM, 8 PM, um, it'll tell you, is this the right place for you? Are you walking traffic or driving traffic? Um, and and really staking out the, uh, the place and what kind of people walk? What kind of neighborhood is it? What else is around? Um, if for a cafe, how many other cafes are around? I want you to know exactly who's there and who is your possible competition. That's good advice. I wish I'd done that a few times. Yeah, we, we, we all do. On a few houses, I thought were good deals and didn't realize it's where the, all the neighborhood thugs hang out because I wasn't there at the right time. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, and you don't – a lot of times you could do as much um, research as possible and still not have all the facts. Yeah. And there are people who open up cafes and restaurants uh, all over the place, and then the state or the city decides this is a perfect time to fix the roads. And yeah, like on Telegraph. Oh my God! Around that, that knocked yes. out a lot of people. Or when they shut. Oh man, Michigan. They do all that. That can really hurt a business. It, it could. It could destroy your business. You could build it up, but if you know that, if you have a strong foundation um, in your business, and people know you, and they're already uh, there's a value proposition there, um, it doesn't hurt you. So Ferndale. Um, did an awesome redo of um, all the roads, and uh, but it wasn't a problem at all because although it was difficult to get into my cafe parking lot, um, it wasn't impossible. And the other thing about being a business owner um, of any kind is make it as easy as possible for your customers to buy from you. So if uh, so, I have all these backup. Uh, just like SWOT analysis, but what if this goes wrong? Yeah, you don't have one thing. You, no, you have several things you're doing at all times. Yes, yeah. but I'm I'm all, I'm always in the back of my mind thinking about, and I have uh, different lists. What's what bad things could happen? What if a, there's a main? What if there's a the main uh, water main bursts in the neighborhood? Mm, no uh, how do I serve coffee? Yeah. So I I know what to do. Uh, what if there is major construction there and we can't and no one can reach my cafe? I'm going to uh, what we'll do is we'll deliver it to people. We'll deliver it to their homes. We'll do whatever it takes to get them their uh, their product. Catering something that's a good. So you sit around at night going, "Wow, what can destroy my business and what can I do to turn it around?" Yes, I should. Have I and constantly thinking about other revenue streams. So you open up a brick and mortar and you sell X. You sell coffee. That's all you sell. Uh, what else is there? 
how else do you get it to different customers? So we do catering, catering coffee. We have no food at all. Um, I want people to taste all the different notes in the coffee. We've never had a bite to eat except uh, once a year um, for our yearly anniversary. Yes. Uh, we have uh, cake, and that's it. And it's it's almost sort of out of laughter uh, and fun to have food in the cafe. But what other ways can you grow your business? What are the different revenue streams that will help you? Because we have retail and wholesale. What if um, it's really cold outside or it's snowed 12 inches and no one's coming to the cafe? Um, we have the wholesale accounts um, to, to do that. Um, if, um, if the wholesale accounts, if we lose some key ones, uh, what can we do to bring people into the cafe or go out? Um, should I do certain promotional um, events that will bring more people to buy from us? Should I do more social media to, um, to get people to come and buy online from us? So constantly thinking about what's next, what's new. Or what I like, you wrote a book to, well, you wrote a book for several reasons, but also launched your consulting business. Am I yes. correct in that? Yeah. Yes. And so um, we, we say when you put sugar cream in our coffee, in a Hazano coffee, that God cries and an angel loses his wings. Yeah, you don't want to do that, folks. You don't want angels losing their wings, do you? Yes. <laughs> but it has to do with our daily conversation with customers. It's a, a little joke that we say all the time, but it's it's also it's a way of educating customers and it launched my business and God and Coffee because we've been talking about the Jewish, uh, the observant Jew, um, the clergy aspect of my life that's always part of it and um, and the coffee. Um, the coffee business so my wife came up with a name. Uh, it's a play on God and Country. Um, God and Coffee Consulting. Um, but that launched that, and it was uh, a way. And I've I've received uh, clients from all around the country um, who never heard of me, but bought the book online on Amazon. Uh, God cries, and you don't want dessert, do you? Um, because this is what they want to do. And having any kind of business, the metrics, everything is important. But getting your customers. Uh, getting to know your customers to grow their lives uh, adds another layer that will keep you in business forever. And I'll put all the links in the show notes, but if you're interested, um, just briefly, you can go to HazanoCoffee.com and all his contact information is there. C-H-A-Z-Z-A-N-O Coffee.com. If you're a restaurant or a cafe and you are interested, you should also go buy his book on Amazon. It's not expensive and it's a good book. It's not going to take you that long to read. You can probably do it. I did it last night. I read both in like an hour and a half. They're good books. They're easy to read. They're they're simple and they're enjoyable. You should definitely go check them out. So moving, man, I have so many questions. I'm not going to get to them all. I'm going to have to be a little bit more. <laughs> We're going to have to do this again maybe in six months. That'd be awesome. I was ambitious. I have a whole list and I was ambitious and I don't even think we're going to get to a third of them here. So yes. Um, Man, I want to talk about about so many things. Um, what do I really want to do before before we go? I want to talk about the coffee soda? De- I want to talk about everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's do. Yeah, let's do that. Because actually, that pioneering aspect of always like pushing pushing the boundary, trying to find that next revenue source. Yes, kind of also the best customer is the one you already have, and can you get them to spend more? Yes. So you you. Kind of went into you change your mind about K cups first of all. 
Yes. And you went and developed basically coffee pop, coffee soda. Yes. Which is excellent, by the way. Thank you very much. um, How did you do that, and and what did that look like? So the K-Cups were, uh, I always said that if you... Um, K cups were against God. Yeah, um, you really. And I was so serious about it. that. And yeah. they are when they're on the shelf forever. When the shelf for months, six months, a year, two years, and they're stale. Traditionally, they're made stale with no aroma to, uh, and often they add flavor to get give it some aroma, uh, some taste because um, they can't stay in the cup that long. After you roast coffee, carbon dioxide comes off of it and degasses, and so it'll explode. So um, we make K-Cups, and we found a local Claire, Michigan company, ground-level packaging, that was going into packaging K-Cups. They made their own K-Cup machine to package coffee. I went up there, spent the whole day, got tuned it in, and so um, and I'm about to order some more from them, but... It's a three-week turnaround where I roast it, um, they grind, I ship it up to them, they grind it, they ship it back to me in a couple of days, and it gets sold in three weeks. So that was, um, it was another way. So I was against K-Cups, but I found a way that it'll still be high quality and taste like Hazano coffee. So there's another revenue source. And sell to a whole other market, right? Yes. Some people, that's the only way they're going to do coffee. Absolutely. And they, they love my coffee. They have a French press, but they don't want to do a French press every morning. Um, they want to just put that cup do, in there the and, um, and be done with it. Have an awesome cup of coffee, but they want to take that cup, throw it away, and, and done with it. So that's great. And uh, so I want to, I never want to lower my standards so that, um, so it's not Hazano coffee just to sell more. But are there other ways to get people to enjoy the product? So K Cups is one of them. Uh, so that's one. It had to do with innovation, but making sure that I got into as many um, helping people people solve a problem yeah and you ship those too right? i ship them okay. all across the country so if you're interested now you can buy this and they'll ship them right to yes you. and they're also they're sold in the cafe but they're soon going to be sold in all the randazzo fresh markets um and and probably more to come after that the the issue for us is that we do things in a small way uh, i don't want to be in every supermarket because i want it to stay fresh um, and yeah, so not every store is committed to fresh, right? No. And yeah. it's, it has to do with the, a lot of metrics that I will never understand with supermarkets, but they can't really pay attention to Hazano coffee and to Frank as much as uh, a smaller uh, specialty market. So I understand that, but I need to go places where they're going to cherish my product um, and keep it fresh. The coffee soda was a dream of mine. Um, even before I, uh, being a coffee roaster and all of that, it's so good. <laughs> my um, my my grandmother, my Italian grandmother Mary, a blessed memory. She died at ninety nine years old. Um, we should all be so lucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But she, uh, we should all be so lucky physically because her mind was going, but her 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 body. She could walk up two flights of stairs, uh, tall stairs with no problems, carrying groceries in her hands. Uh, it was awesome. That's but, really Italian, by the way. When I lived in Italy, it was the old ladies, nine yes, years old, hobbling yeah. up the steep hill, carrying yeah. a ton of stuff. 
disabled. There was no ramps. They didn't give a shit. They just no. And I, I truly want to be like that. Yeah. Uh, but I hope I hope the genes are uh, in there for that. Um, but she would ask me to bring up this Brooklyn. No, it's not Brooklyn born. It was um, um, I it was a East Coast Brooklyn uh, company coffee company Manhattan special espresso coffee soda bring up two cases of it even when i was seven years old bringing up two floor walk up there was no elevator oh man uh, frankie get me uh, get me some of the, <laughs> the coffee soda so i'd bring that up to her and uh and she'd devour it uh in a week she, she drank that all the time fast forward to the coffee business and um i always wanted to do that and i found a an employee who is a beer um home beer brewer and um and he taught me and we we learned together how to brew um soda yeah you really have to try this do you ship this or not i don't know if you we do okay. we do we yeah, ship you- it all across the country where we're trying to keep it um uh we're trying to keep it slow um a little bit with um because this is one of those opportunities that we have now that will sell a lot but we want to make sure that we have the fundamentals down um what we worked on over the last year is taste and the mouthfeel and how long does it last and shelf life and things like that. That's not an easy thing to manufacture, is it? No. And so eventually we will have um, another brewer um, do it for us. But we're doing it all in-house, bootstrapping it. Um, and uh, fast forward, it's I, I'm proud of it. Even soda... Any kind of product that we have, that we sell, Hazano ever sells, uh, regardless of how much money we could make by selling inferior products or products that uh, um, I never want anything to have sugar. And it goes back to the joke about not putting sugar in my coffee, but I don't want any sweetener. I want it to be natural. It tastes sweet when you drink it. Thank it's you amazing. It's, a, it's very chocolatey. It, it tastes, tastes like, like a beer. sugar is in there and yes. there's no sugar in there. No additives, no preservatives. It's absolutely I, amazing. I, I, I don't want to put anything in it. All it is is cold brew soda um, with um, filtered um, carbonated water. That's it. And the other exciting product uh, that no one else has is a cascada soda called fruit of the bean because it's the fruit of the coffee bean uh, dried as tea and brewed as tea and um and carbonated i have and not tried it. that one yet it's I, really I sweet very sweet no sugar again and all of these these two products have very low caffeine compared to you think a uh, coffee soda is more caffeine but it doesn't um it's a lot of water but there are two products that i hope will enrich people's lives uh, I've been working out with um, with both, testing them out on me, using myself as the guinea pig. But um, and when you're working out, having a coffee beverage, but without all the unnecessary sweetener and sugar. So that seems like a lot of work. How long have you been working on that? Been working on that for about a year and a half. Yeah. It's been on tap, but what kind of bottle? It's just with every kind of new service or product, what really works? And when you have a brand new product that you're in true innovation, um, it's not the first order because it tastes great. And uh, a lot of people who will listen to this uh, podcast will go to the 
to our cafe and other places that have it and buy it for the first time. But it's not the first uh, customer that's the most important. It's when you, they come back and buy it the second and the third time. Yeah. And so, and it better be the same, right? Yes. Yeah. And it, 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 it better be something that really enriches their lives and makes them better and, um, and does something for them. And so uh, building a service or a product, that has to be part of the equation. And thinking ahead, how do I make this product easy? Uh, so they're in beer bottles. They're in 12-ounce um, in beer bottles because I want it to look – I want it to be great for craft beer companies to serve it. Uh, and if you go to a bar with friends and you just don't want to drink or, or you're the designated driver. Like me. Um, you have having a soda and there's lots of craft soda around. Um, and a lot of these awesome breweries like Dragon Meat have phenomenal craft soda um, that they serve. But um, you want to maybe have a beverage that looks like a beer, looks like an adult beverage, has a beautiful head on it. Um, like the coffee soda does, Brooklyn-born coffee soda. It really does. It's kind of like a Guinness head, too. They're really fine. It just rem- it reminds me of the finish on on a Guinness, the actual texture, not the taste, but the yes. texture of the the carbon dioxide, I guess, or whatever you use. I'm not sure. Maybe it's nitrogen. I don't know. What yeah, it no, it's, a, it's CO2. CO2. But, yeah. but it Very has fine. awesome head retention. Yeah. It, uh, it'll last for a, for a couple hours. You leave it out, you'll still see that, that nice ring around it like a beer would have. And so it looks like an adult beverage um, without the buzz, um, both caffeine-wise or um, alcohol-wise. So the, the biggest question for me is who's going to buy, has always been who's going to buy this? Who is this good for? Coffee, it's one of the oldest um, products around and it's Almost everyone drinks coffee uh, of different quality. Um, or coffee-like drinks. Or coffee-like yeah. drinks. But everyone drinks, almost everyone drinks coffee. But this is a completely new product. And that's a problem, too, when you have a brand new product or service is you need competition. It is great in the coffee business that there's a cafe everywhere because I can compare myself. I, compare, I, can, I can compare Hazano Coffee to other places. Uh, but with a coffee soda, there's nothing else on the shelf like that. Uh, I almost want to uh, – a friend said I should create a bad coffee soda <laughs> and promote it as a shell company. And um, I'm that's, sure some company has done that before. Yeah, it's like a Wall Street thing right there. Right? Yeah. Plan A. We create one and create the bad one. Exactly. <laughs> but I almost want to have that kind of Pepsi challenge kind of thing. Uh, but there's nothing else like it. Well, if you're sitting at home – or wherever you're at listening to this, if you're the kind of person who likes good wine, likes good chocolate, can tell the difference between a shitty steak and a good steak, or you're in the scotch or whiskey, this is something I know for sure. I think everybody should try it, but it's something for sure you'd want to try. I think it's very easy to be that kind of person and then enjoy something like this. So Absolutely. That if I would for sure recommend it for everybody, but if you're one of those people, definitely give it a shot. It's very interesting. Uh, it's very delicious too, and it'll give you something else to obsess about. So, that's my recommendation on it. If you're that kind of person, you will enjoy it. I'm that kind of person. I enjoy it a lot. And if you're that kind of person, also, you should come to the shop and do a flight of different coffees. You could do four different coffees. You could try all twelve coffees if you want. If you can handle that, there's also because uh, we again that word insane. 
uh, we have all these different brewing methods. And so we have um, one day I, um, I was thinking about some batter hit for the cycle. It wasn't even a natural cycle, but in I baseball, yeah. um, hit for the cycle. Um, they got a single, double, triple, and a, and a home run in the same game. And I said, I'm sitting here in my cafe in my little uh, makeshift office in the back of the cafe and drinking different coffees. And I'm, I'm trying at the time Ethiopia Sadamo as a French press, as an espresso, pour over, all these different ways. I said, what about drinking for the cycle? So um, I, I trademarked um, drinking for the cycle where you drink the same kind of single origin coffee as a French press, iced vacuum siphon espresso pour over in Turkish. And what's cool about that, again, is the different flavor notes and the flavor profile, mouthfeel, the balance, how that changes and where some will be awesome and some will be terrible as all those different ways. So um, that was one um, one innovation yeah. uh, that I, I came it. up with. Uh, Gina and I have done it three times, and on our last whoops, on our last two anniversaries, it's an excellent time. If if you really love that kind of thing, it, it's beyond coffee, and it, it's an experience and a segue into your second book, which is. You don't want dessert, do you? Which I fucking hate that question. <laughs> Every time I hear it, I love that you wrote a rant book. Yeah. And it's not a rant book. I call it a rant book. It's a, it's it's a customer service rant. book. Yes. But uh, I hate that question. You don't want dessert, yes. do you? Yeah, you sold the shit out of that, asshole. Yeah. Don't you get tips? Of it? I don't even understand like, yeah. why you would do that. But if you're looking for that kind of experience, you can physically go to the shop and the book you wrote, You Don't Want Dessert, Do You, really is a customer service book. Yes. Why don't we talk about the experience at Hazano um, and how business owners can maybe think about it that way, not just as a commodity, but also selling an experience. Yes. So you're going to make more money and make people happier if if it's something that's going to take them out of their ordinary lives. and um, And so small things... Make them. I, I just had an experience of just a, on a negative note. Um, we go to restaurants constantly that I just want to hand this book to um, and say, please read it now. Close down the place and read it just for the next uh, half hour or two because um, I went to one place where they, um, they served, well, one place where uh, it was difficult to, for the server to reach um, the empty plates. It was one of those booths that it's difficult to do that. And although I read in the book, and it's a big pet peeve of mine, um, never hand the plate to a customer um, because it then makes them part of the service um, to do that. And they're paying extra so that they don't have to clean plates and they don't have to um, serve or... um, or hand things or get their place up ready. Sell the order, my other pet peeve, right? Yeah, sell the order. So, I mean, the big thing about selling the order, that's if there's a a, a circle of hell, if Dante's Inferno (laughs) was correct, um, then there's going to be a circle of hell. A circle of hell. There there are going to be many circles. I have many circles of hell. One is where they just serve bad coffee, to like coffee roasters all day long, and you just have How to keep drinking. Would that, be? that would be terrible. You know, <laughs> to do that for eternity. <laughs> um, but um, 
if there's a if there's a hell and there's a circle of hell, it would have really bad service where they would sell you would order um, your meal and they would say who got the eggplant parmesan who got this who got um, who got the mozzarella fingers things like that um, that is so you're taking them out of the you're taking them into the experience and you're not making it magical for them there's not entertainment so when you go to a table and you're able to put the plates down in the right in the um, in front of the right people um, and ask them questions and then tell them about the food. Uh, you have enriched them. You've made this experience different from any other experience around. So uh, there are different aspects to that. I went to another restaurant recently where they told me about every little thing that, um, that they were serving me. The salad was from this um, Detroit public school that they had extra um, vegetables and every ingredient. There were about 10 different ingredients in the salad and they told me about it, which for me, for the restaurant geek, that is both um, incredible and enlightening and, um, and I understand that because it adds value, but it was also too much. It was too much. Uh, there, was a, there is a line to cross. Um, and so in the book, talking about all those different lines across and how to bring back the restaurant, the service industry, really, um, those small things of even on the, on the phone of smiling, are you, are you happy? I can tell when I'm calling someone and they're not happy. Um, That's why I call it smile and dial. Yes. I smile, then I dial. Absolutely. I physically do it. Yes. Smile, yeah. then dial. That's a great it's, point because it's, it's true. It's, it's necessary. You can tell. Yeah. You can tell. Um, and so uh, that's a big thing. Uh, when you come to the cafe, not only the smiling, but also suggesting things. You ever go to a restaurant or a cafe and they have a thousand things. Like on my menu, um, I've had... People asking all the time, when are you going to put prices on there? When are you going to put descriptions of the coffee? There are 15 different coffees on the board. There are about 15 different loose leaf teas, different um, things that are happening in the cafe. It'd be a book. It's a, absolutely. But the reason why I have that is because I want to draw people into the experience. They come to, like when we go to a restaurant, um, a restaurant we haven't been to before, um, you need to bring them into and entertain them and educate them. So when they're looking at the menu, uh, to break them down in terms of their choices, suggesting, you know what my favorite coffee is? Ethiopia Harar. It has notes of blueberry, cherry, pipe tobacco with a red wine finish, and a week later tastes like chocolate and spices. It's what God drinks. And by saying things like that, being a little comical, but being also passionate about the product. Shit's true. It's amazing, by the way. It's really, it's, it's, it's awesome. I drink it every morning. I have a fridge press every single morning. We I just were, won't. We were talking about uh, the last sip of coffee, and it would be okay if my last sip of coffee was Ethiopia Harar. Absolutely. Uh, there are other coffees that uh, have been phenomenal like that. Yeah, quit selling so much, by the way, Frank. You ran <laughs> out like three times. There was like a total of a week I couldn't drink it, and this was very upsetting to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is how hooked you got me. I had to drink Yurgo uh, Cafe and a couple of other ones, and they're good. Or the Columbia, which, by the way, is excellent. I like that. Thank I, you very much. I only got to try it because you didn't have Harar. 
Yes. So I did something else. So in that sense, it was good. I branched out. But you should really, folks, don't order that one, though. The Harar, it's save it for me. But no, no, you could try it. You get more all the time. The, the book is really to help your business become magical to that blue ocean strategy, how to make it completely special, um, how to train your employees to love the product and to suggest certain products. I love when I go to a restaurant, even a great restaurant where the server hates a particular dish, hates it. It could be greatest dish, but they don't like it. And they say, I would not suggest that dish. But if you really want to have a great um, entree, try this because this is great because of these reasons. Um, That's fantastic. Um, And so um, all those little pet peeves of serving um, plates, crossing across people, um, that takes us totally out and it breaks up our conversation. The reason why we go to eat is to be entertained, to have a conversation, to get out of our... Um, our ordinary lives to not have to clean dishes um, to celebrate an event and you're taking us out of uh, you're almost uh, um, interrupting our little play our little musical um, to pause and say that uh, refreshments will be served down this downstairs kind of thing you're taking us out of this magic and so um, buy the book because it'll It'll be partly funny. It's easy to read. But also when you are a customer in a restaurant, a cafe, um, you should have – I think we've acquiesced um, now with service that we tip uh, a certain amount just because we feel like we should. But there should be greater excellence in restaurants and cafes these days and any kind of customer service experience. Well, people should pay attention too because – Regardless of what side you're on or what you think, this is a global economy. And there is somebody somewhere working their fucking ass off. Yes. Who is going to bury your business. And it's going to do it much better oh, yeah. because of just some simple things. There's, a, there's so many examples of, of big businesses that they took, you know, like Zappos. They're selling, um, selling shoes. Um, selling shoes online. That's a. If anyone asked me about that, I said it's stupid. That's such a bad idea. But the customer service is so good that um, that it's a huge business. Um, it's again taking whatever you do in life, even if it's um, walk. I don't know, walking the dog, but doing everything you can possibly do at the highest level of excellence, and also finding ways to do it differently, constantly innovate. If someone is uh, the best companies in the world, when other companies start getting close to them, they innovate and go to the next level. Um, and so you got to do that no matter what you do in life, whatever business it is. Think about the customer's experience. What I always thought was crazy too is they're selling the order, they're reaching out, they're doing all this stuff, and there's two people at yes. the table. I, I, for the life of me, maybe if it was 15 that is a lot to remember. I mean, I think it's still your job and you should do it well. But when there's two people at the table, that's really when it hit me. I was reading, I'm like, yeah, wait, yeah, he's right. Yeah. I really got mad. I'm like, there's only two. How hard was it to remember? Two things. Absolutely. But also, I say you should write down on the, on the bill, um, the guy with the Detroit hat, uh, on the right, there should be numbers on the, 
on the bill of person number one, number two, number three, so that you can get yourself out of the that they don't even know you exist um, in the in the experience. We're just trying to make our lives better, getting a really good meal in our bellies, um, having a great glass of wine. Um, we just want to enjoy that experience, and it's it's very easy to do this, but and. Managers need to, owners need to teach their managers what they expect. Uh, you talked about the culture of Hazano, but it's it's an ongoing uh, treaties. It's an ongoing. Um, you have to manage people. You have to lie. Uh, eternally. You have to care for it. Yes. And if you don't, it goes away and it dies, right? Yes. Or replaced with something else. And so you have to make choices. It's also about you have to be there in the beginning. So. Um, what I learned, it's not a, uh, a crucial thing, but if I ever rebuilt the coffee bar in the cafe, uh, I would make it shorter because what I didn't realize is that when you reach over on the bar, if you're a shorter person, a shorter employee, uh, you can't reach all the way. Mm. And so I never want um, my employees to, uh, to hand a cup of coffee to the uh to people for many reasons it'll spill and um or but it's just just not great presentation it's not magical and so i had to teach them and constantly teach them and remind them don't hand it to them walk around i don't care if it's crazy busy where uh everyone is sweating and perspiring because because uh, they have no idea how we're going to serve all these customers, and it has been like that. Um, but I want you to walk around slowly, hand it to them, uh, put it up uh, in front of them, in the right place, and uh, enjoy your enjoy your coffee and walk back. So those are choices that you have to make and think about. Um, also, it makes no sense to stack plates at the table. Uh, because it looks terrible, I just had uh, you know my son's mashed potatoes being smashed against uh, my eggplant parmesan. Um, yeah, why? And just uh, it looks terrible, and it it takes you back to your kitchen. You're thinking about all the other things you have to do. You have to clean up your kitchen, things like that. Uh, it makes no sense. Why not stack them? Uh, why not uh, put them on your arm one at a time, up up and down your arm, and learn that it looks good, it looks entertaining. Um, they can do that, um, and I can still do that. I don't do it with the fine china that we have at home, but uh, even do that at home. Um, learn how to do that, even if it takes a couple of trips to do that, which may take some time. But you need to learn all the different customer service tricks that will make your customers um, enjoy the experience. Buy the book, read it. Bottom line is the experience really does matter and can make or break the business too. And I think it's only going to become more important into the future because I I see competition increasing, not decreasing. No, and there's always someone that's the blue ocean strategy is to make – keep – um, making that blue water as far as po- possible, and the sharks keep the uh, the dolphins around you uh, yeah. to uh, keep the sharks away. Because there's always someone who's going to come up with a better idea. Stay hungry, folks. Yes, absolutely. All right, we're at two hours and forty one minutes, but I do have to ask you one more. Well, it's a couple of questions. Favorite books, blogs, podcasts, shows that you that you found that helped you personally and it doesn't just have to be business it could be life 
and or habits maybe you developed that you found useful. I kind of, I call this part of the podcast, like success habits and books and podcasts and, and things that helped you out. Is there anything that stands out in your brain that you think, uh, that helped you more than others or that you found more useful than others? Right. I know Absolutely. Like blue ocean strategy obviously is, is one that. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of every book. It's, it's that it's that strategy, but it's really uh, the biggest thing that has taught me about life is um, I grew up with a um, um, mother who passed away when I was 19 years old. I had a best friend who was a cantor, went to cantorial school with me, uh, who died of um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, at like 27 years old, um, and life and all these different uh, deaths. Um, and there was a can- a local cantor who was charismatic, was like was like the Messiah. He was a uh, people were drawn to him. One of the nicest guys um, around, gorgeous voice. Um, and I didn't know him that well, but anytime people talk about him, they have tears in their eyes. And it's been many years since he's passed away. Died at a very young age, I think in his forties, things like that. Life is short, so it's really um, you should do as many acts of kindness as you possibly can do. Uh, it doesn't matter what religion you are. You should be nice to people and treat them with respect and do whatever you can possibly do in your power to help them um, because life is short, but also you got to enjoy it. And it's also uh, a big part of that um, that I've learned in life and that um, carries me uh, through everything that I do is that um, is that you really you have to look at the other people in your life. So um, it was a great dream of mine to be a um, to own Hazano Coffee Roasters. I fulfilled that dream, but um, and I I really want to work out every day. Um, and I was I was working out at one point like three or four times a week. Really good for you, your business owner. You have to do that because there's lots of stress. But um, I was my kids weren't as active my homeschooled kids. So I started taking my son um, to the gym. So it's really looking at all the different aspects of your life. What does everyone else need in your life? What does your, your spouse need, uh, your partner need uh, in order to, for, to live uh, an awesome life? Um, and in terms of money, in terms of, of vacation, what do your kids need? Um, what do your best friends need? Uh, in order to grow their lives. And so uh, of all the things, I, I've read so many books and, uh, and lots of things have influenced my life, but what really is a thread that goes through everything is that life is short, that you really uh, treat people with kindness, live with passion, be passionate about um, what you're doing, uh, and take care of yourself in every in every way, mentally, uh, physically, um, uh, everything that brings you joy. Try to do that without hurting other people. Yeah, there's only body you're going to get. That's yes. the only ride you're going to get. Absolutely, not going to get another one. Is there anything? I have tons more questions, but we're just not going to get to them this time. Uh-huh. But is there anything? that you would like to talk about or you feel like we missed or was remiss now is your opportunity, sir. Um, One last thing is that I I talked about how many books that have goals to 
read and learn from as many people as possible. Um, and so one opportunity came up uh, a couple of months ago. I started with Goldman Sachs, 10,000 Small Businesses. Yes. Uh, which is an awesome program sponsored by Goldman Sachs. And uh, this one, the best chapter in the country is a Detroit um, chapter at Wayne State. Um, and I'm close to two-thirds into that program. But it helps you grow your growth opportunity. So for me, it's the coffee soda, uh, but looking at all those different levels. So there's a lot that I know there, but I, I push myself uh, I've spent $5,000 for a full-year class before that a couple of years ago when I first started the business on referral marketing with the Referral Institute. It was uh, the best $5,000 that I've spent um, because my advice to people, to anyone who owns a business of any kind, is continuing education. Um, try to find anything that will that you'll learn something. If even if six months go by and you learn one thing, it's worth it because it's a uh, it's something you gain something out of it and it helps you grow your business. So that Goldman Sachs ten thousand small businesses uh, has been a phenomenal opportunity and it's helped me grow as a business person. You get to a certain point, you it's very difficult to find anyone who knows anything more about coffee than I do. Really very <laughs> difficult. But I'm still learning about different coffees, different processes, different things that are happening in the industry. Um, and there's certain things about business that I really am the expert on. But there's always someone out there that's smarter. So uh, it's, uh, you should also be hungry for more knowledge. Um, and that Goldman Sachs, I just I wanted to bring that up because if you own a small business and um, there's certain there's certain uh, basic uh, um, things that your business up a certain amount of money that the business should have grossed um, over a certain amount of amount of years. But if you're hungry to grow your business, sign up and see if you can be part of this Goldman Sachs group because they teach about branding, marketing, negotiation, financial intelligence, um, and the culture, how to build your culture, the HR aspect of owning your own business, the entrepreneur, um, how to further grow and come up with innovation, how to dream, how to put those dreams into uh, um reality, all of that stuff. They talk about with some of the greatest professors around the country come in and teach us. So um, that's a wonderful opportunity. And it's free. Do you have that link or can I get I it? I don't have, but look for I'll Google I, I'll, it. I'll give it to you. I'll put it in the but show. But look for notes, Goldman so. Sachs yeah. ten thousand small businesses yeah. um, online and I'll supply you with that link. Thank you. I will put that link. It sounds like an excellent opportunity for, for the right people. Um, I will put that link in the show notes. The, uh, the last thing up, I, and you never say, are there any last things um, to a New Yorker? But one last thing <laughs> that I want to share, and um, you that. could always, uh, I don't know if uh, you don't have to include it, but I include everyone should write a book. Even if it's not going to um, be published. I've started and stopped several times. Yeah, that's fine. But write that book. The reason why it's so great to write a book is because it teaches you what you believe. 
So you think you believe certain things, but it truly brings it out. Uh, what is important to you in life? What What are the basic themes of your life that um, that you can share with other people? And so I constantly push myself. I'm trying to uh, publish a book a, a year, at least one book a year, um, until I have no more ideas to write. Yeah, didn't your kid write a book too? Uh, yeah, uh, my uh, yeah. my daughter Doris wrote Dog two uh, two books, yeah. and she's writing a couple of a uh, couple more right now. Um, there's a it's a family um, adventure. Yeah, and uh, we'll give um, a link. Um, um, to that too, yeah. but it's on Amazon. She's written one book that we published, and about a second book to, ready to be published. Uh, and how old is she? She's up uh, twelve, that's and she amazing. wrote the first one at ten. Yeah, that's amazing. So, and the big part of that, I taught her to share that, and um, to share what you want, the story you want to tell. Um, my kids hate my books because <laughs> because they sound like me and they hear these stories all the time. Yeah, they could they could uh, speak the book to people. Uh, so your dedication was funny. It was an apology to your wife who had to listen to these stories ten thousand yes, times. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah, and she still has to. So yeah. it's never going to end. Hopefully, no. well, it does come to the end. But Frank. I want to thank my guest Frank for coming out. Thank, thank you so you. much. I had a great time. I was looking forward to this one. You should definitely go check him out. Follow him on Instagram at Hazano, C-H-A-Z-Z-A-N-O, Coffee. Facebook, you can look him up. This will all be in the show notes, folks, too. Hazano Coffee Roasters. Twitter at Hazano Coffee. Conveniently located at 1737 East Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. You go to HazanoCoffee.com and shop.hazanocoffee.com. Highly recommended. And if you enjoy and find this podcast helpful, please share it. Give it a like, rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever app you're listening to. It is a free podcast, and also I really appreciate it. Um, it really does help, and uh, if you can do that, thank you very much. If you have any comments or suggestions, uh, maybe questions I'm not asking um, or something you'd rather hear, let me know. Reach out and let me know. Go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And once I figure out video editing and I plug that hole, you can go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. And as I wrap up this podcast, I always, always, you know, it's coming. I want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know I do it every week. There are many distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits, whatever it is preventing you or stopping you or slowing you down. Pick some goals, man. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you closer, even if it's just one step. And I do want to thank you for listening. I really do appreciate your time. I know you could be doing a lot of other things. So thank you. And until next week, crush it.